This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 100. What up? We have made it. 100 episodes of Small Talk. We've been talking about this for the past couple weeks. We knew episode 100 was going to be an occasion. We wanted to make kind of a big deal out of this because it's surprising, Steve. I think that we've made it 100 episodes. Yeah, I feel like it's flown by. And I went back. I'm at the Cape right now. I went back and listened to the first episode and I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. I got a, I got a few things that I like observations that I have that I want to talk to you about. Uh, one of both of us being extremely wrong on something. But yeah, I guess we can officially say we're keeping it 100 uh, for this episode. What's up? As the kids say, no big deal. Yeah. Is that what the kids say these days? I really have no idea. I don't know. I'm not cool anymore. So I don't even try to be cool. Yeah, I'm not even pretending. Any ounce of coolness that I had was lost in quarantine. I can yep. confirm. Yep. However, we have a great podcast lined up for you today. We're going to do a lot of our favorite features. We're going to do 10,000 Frogs. We're going to do Cool No One Cares. We've got some special guests. Our buddy Rosillo is going to join us later in the pod. Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us to really decide definitively who won the candy draft. He's going to be the candy commissioner. And we have our friend Marvin Prince as a guest judge for 10,000 Frogs. So before we dive into all of that great content that we have lined up for you, let's get to our observations, Steve. We had told everyone, hey, episode 100, it's been a while since we've done our first episode. Let's go back and listen to how terrible we sound so we can see how far we've come. So we both went back and listened. I know a lot of people went back and listened as well because I've been getting the DMs on Instagram about them going back to listen to episode one of this podcast but Steve what are your takeaways after listening to our very first podcast well other than saying like way too much oh my gosh <laughs> Steve that is my first takeaway is how stupid we sound <laughs> I mean I probably still do it and I, I know I catch myself doing it it's just like a crutch word it is what it is it happens to people it's like um but I did it so much more back then like it's one of the only things I could listen to I'm like dude stop saying like like you sound like an idiot and I just I did it. I literally just said like, so good times. I haven't gotten over it yet. I felt the same way. And we have to think about where we were though in that period in our lives, not be too hard on ourselves. We both were producers for so long. We didn't have to speak professionally for a living. And I think more importantly, have our broadcasting skills critiqued. Mm -hmm. Once I became a host and you became a host, we had to go back and listen to ourselves. And you don't Which really- Which is the worst which is the worst. Yeah. We don't really understand what your crutch words are or your cadence or things that you need to remove from your vocabulary until you listen to yourself enough. So at that stage, we hadn't done that yet. And we were fully unaware that we were saying like every other word, but yeah, it sounded terrible. It sounded Good terrible. Times. So besides that, which was definitely a, a glaring sort of deal, I have this in chronological order. So the first thing was you sort of teased this. I don't remember if it was on the pod or just texting me or whatever, something that you were very, very wrong about. Oh. Um, why don't you take it away? Cause this is your take, but I also had something that I was extremely wrong on later in the pod too. Yeah. This was a freezing cold verbal take. We were just coming off of the NFL draft. And I said that I thought Josh Rosen was going to be the star coming out of that draft. I said, I loved where he landed in Arizona. I thought he was going to have a great career there. I get it. That, yeah. that obviously didn't happen, <laughs> but I said, you know, out of Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, all the quarterbacks coming out of that class. I think Josh Rosen is going to have the longest and most successful NFL career. Eh, wrong. It was weird that you didn't bring up Sam Darnold in any of them. 
because he probably would be the guy I think most people would say is going to be the best quarterback. Although I don't really like any of the quarterbacks from that draft that much. I know Bill's mafia is going to be pissed at me because everybody loves Josh Allen. He's been okay, but I don't know. I still have my questions about him, but I will say the door is still open for you because I don't even know where does Josh Rosen even play now? He hasn't even gotten a chance to play. So you never know, but I also could just be holding out hope for him to have a successful career because of how much he has in common with Jay Cutler. That's probably what it is. Is he still with Miami? Let me look this up because they just drafted Tua, so he has no future there. So I don't know. And then they obviously have Ryan Fitzpatrick. We don't even know where Josh Rosen <laughs> plays, so maybe this is a disaster waiting to happen. But still holding out hope that he could be okay. Well, I'm glad that you're holding that flame because I'm already chalking it up to a bad, bad, bad take by me. Yeah, he plays for the Dolphins. So, I mean, Shout he's out. going to get traded, I assume, at some point. Or his future's not there for a long time until Tua is healthy. So... If he's in the right situation, he just needs that one coach. He just needs somebody to give him a chance. He'll be fine. Because your thing about Baker Mayfield being a bust, it didn't look good after his rookie year. But I don't know, now he had a pretty bad second year. And I think a lot of people have questions about whether or not he's going to be really good going forward. That could very much be right. And your comment about uh, Josh Allen as well, being the guy that's going to be around forever, right? I think that could be true too. So you could potentially be two for three. And if Josh Rosen comes around and, and lives up to the potential, it's not dead yet. It's not dead yet. I love the positivity, Steve. Yes. But I'll say this. I had what was maybe an even worse prediction. Mine, I said, when we were, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but somehow I said, like flippantly, that Tom Brady would not lose the divorce with the Patriots. And clearly, he's no longer a Patriot. So he lost the argument there. He lost the divorce. Now, who knows? He could eventually win the divorce by winning a Super Bowl in Tampa. But he definitely was the odd man out in New England. And I was so dismissive of that two years ago. Actually, Steve, I think you were dead on with that take because I think he won the divorce. He walked away and chose the situation that he wanted to be in, got Gronk to go with him, and ended up in a great spot with a great coach. Belichick's still the last man standing. Like He is the guy that did not have to pack up and leave. So technically, I would say he did lose. The Patriots said, oh, no, we're not going to resign you figure it out somewhere else. The, the Patriots chose Brady. They didn't uh, chose Belichick, I should say. They didn't choose Brady. Or did Brady make it very clear that he was going to leave? See, I Maybe. think Brady played this very well in the fact that he kind of looked at what was happening around him. They had already had what he probably deemed to be the most success that they were ever going to have in that organization and said, you know what? I got a couple of years left. I want to go somewhere and have fun. I want to go somewhere warm. I want to go somewhere where I think I can win and establish my own legacy separate from Bill Belichick. And it seems to me that Robert Kraft pretty publicly said that he would want Brady to stay. And Brady said, sorry, guys, I'm heading to Florida. That is true. So maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. But I think it is funny that Brady, just like every other old person, decided to retire in Tampa Bay. 100%. I don't get it. I don't get Tampa. Sorry. Sorry to any listeners from Tampa. Just don't get it. Okay. What were some of your other observations? Because you've already touched on both of my main ones. Um, we were joking about watching people play video games. And I oh, literally nice. now Twitch stream myself playing video games. So I'm an incredible hypocrite when it comes to that. I Twitch my FIFA games. Wow. So here I am ripping Fortnite two plus years ago saying, who cares about video games? Why are people talking about video games? More importantly, why are other people watching people play video games? And here you are in the present slash the future at that time being that person. Exactly. I have started a FIFA World Cup where there's 32 different random people that we have in this Discord community. and We all play games and we literally watch each other's FIFA games online. So I have become the person that we made fun of two years ago. Wow, Steve sounds sick. I know, I'm super cool. That's an, <laughs> that's an ultimate Michelle cool, no one cares. What's another one I had? 
the Polynesian sauce thing. It's not that I don't like Polynesian sauce, but in thinking about this, like you guys are talking about how they should bottle up Polynesian sauce. You and Tom were talking about this. And yeah. I agree. All those sauces should be bottled. The Big Mac sauce came up. Totally agree. Love Big Mac sauce. But the one sauce that I'm obsessed with that they do bottle now, I think you'd only get it at a couple of uh, grocery stores, is Taco Bell fire sauce. That shit is so good. I put it on all of my homemade Mexican food. I can't even eat homemade Mexican food without fire sauce from Taco Bell from the bottle. I'm more of a mild sauce girl, but I can appreciate the fire sauce. Oh, it's so delicious. It's not quite a salsa, but it's not quite hot sauce. It's just fire sauce. It's like very vague. I don't go to Taco Bell a lot, but when I do, I stick my hand in the sauce container and just grab two full handfuls, put them in my bag and then take it home and I've got sauce for months. Wow. So you just have an entire drawer filled with Taco Bell fire sauce. True. I put it in a plastic bag and put it in a drawer and I've got it for months because it keeps well. I mean, respect, Steve. I'm not even going to lie. I respect it. Okay. Do you have any other observations before we move on? I have two more. One is that we were talking about one of your cool no one cares was that you were annoyed that people that you went to high school with or whatever, people that you knew were peddling like random junk on social media, like trying to get you to buy stuff like Tupperware. And I had a weird comment where I said, yeah, even realtors do that. They'll throw up stuff. (laughs) And it's like, oh, cool. I don't want to buy this house. Literally like two years later, my wife became a realtor and and now does that. So again, another instance of me being a (laughs) So did you manifest a life that's just (laughs) laced with all of these things that we used to hate? I guess so. Two years is a long time. And I guess I'm a new me. I like to think I'm the same, but I guess not. And now I'm all for my wife sharing stuff on Facebook about what property she has because that's the way she makes her living. So I've, I've done a complete 180. Although I will still say, if it's like a Ponzi scheme or if it's, like I said, Tupperware, that's stupid. Don't do that. Real estate, I shouldn't have said that. It goes in a different category. Real estate's okay. And then the last thing I had, I actually genuinely laughed at this. Do you remember what Tom's ideal date was? His ideal date. No, I don't. I remember he was saying that his dream is to be a stay-at-home dad and have a football team. I said that too. It is still a dream, very much a dream. (laughs) Uh, I forget why Tom was talking about this, but he was talking about the ideal date for him. And it's the most Tom thing ever was going to Jay Timothy's, which is a wing place. First off, you don't take a date to a wing place. I feel like that's a rule. You can't eat wings and look hot or impress the person that you're trying to go on a date with. So that's the, you don't take a person that you're on a first date with to a wing place first and foremost. Then he was going to the movies, which, oh, that's how, why it came up. Cause you we were talking about the Marvel thing. He was talking about, okay, so his first thing was he went to J. Timney's eat wings. Second thing was go to a movie. And then he would close the night out by going to friendlies, which is like, what are we 13? Who goes to friendlies at the end of a date? I'm like, Tom, this is not the ideal date for an adult male. Also, if you want dessert at the end of the night, Friendly's is not the play. No, definitely not. Come on. I would rather go to Dairy Queen. I would rather go to Stop and Shop and buy a a gallon of ice cream than go to Friendly's. Friendly's is where you go with your family. It's just an odd place to take take a date. But I think that whole date scene, the three-step process for Tom, was very much on brand. Is there anything worse than a first date? Because in a first date, like nobody wants to look sloppy. You don't want to look like a pig. I guess now spaghetti even isn't that bad though. Even if you're yeah. doing the thing, whatever the lady in the tramp deal, where you're, you know, the mouth, whatever. The See, who's doing the lady in the tramp? Deal? No, not not with somebody else. I'm not saying not with somebody else. But when you're eating pasta, like if I'm eating it at home, I'm doing that. Most I'm doing that. Whatever you call it. If you're eating wings, there's no way to look hot and not keep your mouth clean by eating wings. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. So there's several different ways you can look at intimacy. And one of the true signifiers of intimacy to me is when you have a sporting event, whether it be a game at night or an NFL Sunday or whatever, and you make nachos and wings at home with your significant other and you guys just go ham. You're comfortable at that point. You are in sweatpants. (laughs) Your hair is up. 
you're eating wings in front of your man and that is love that yeah. is true love what would you be your recommendation for how far along that has to be is it a feel thing yeah it's totally a feel thing for some people it's a week for some people six months but when you can wake up and turn to him and be like hey today let's get wings and watch college football and know that even though you're going to look really gross, he's going to be so into it. That's <laughs> yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. Your definition of hotness changes the longer you've been dating. It's no longer just about what you look like. Cause yeah. at the first, everyone's like, okay, is, she, is he or she hot or not? Right. Let's be, let's be honest. That's how it works. But then you're right. It's the little things like that. If, if a girl said, Hey, let's sit on the couch and eat junk food and watch football. That's incredibly hot too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the girl, you're like, hey, this doesn't happen on accident, right? The girl's yeah. like, I've done my hair. I've picked up this outfit. I have makeup on. My earrings are looking awesome. I'm ready to go. For you to just throw all that to the wind and be like, this is me, buddy. Take yeah. it or leave it. You know, most guys, I think, are cool with that. But like you said, it's a comfort level thing for the girl to be like, this is yeah. what I look like. And I'm going to have wing sauce all over my face. And we might fight over the last one, but deal yeah. with it. Those were my observations. I did not hate it as much as I thought I would, which I was pleasantly surprised with. Well, I'm glad because I felt the same way other than us saying like every four words, which really bothered Sorry. me and made us sound very uneducated. And I apologize to anyone who went back to listen to it. We will be better about that moving forward, or at least I hope we are. But I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. And I think more importantly, I was very pleased that we have not changed. We were the same people. We were just friends having fun, talking about stuff that we were interested in, and that annoyed us. And that's really been the essence of this podcast since day one. So to be able to look back and say, wow, in 100 episodes, we have kept the same vibe and haven't tried to alter it or change it at all, I thought was very cool. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this pod is therapeutic because we just complain about the things that we would normally text or call <laughs> each other about. And we just do it now to an audience. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us BS for 100 episodes. So one of the things we wanted to do on our 100th episode is have a definitive winner for our Small Talk Candy Draft. The Small Talk State Draft was more of a debate, but you can't really decide a winner on that because your opinion varies based on where you grew up, where you live. There's a lot of outside factors, so you can't really get a neutral judge on that. But we said, you know what? Heading into our next 100 episodes, we need a definitive Candy Draft winner. And we needed to find a person who would be a very great judge for this because it has to, you have to have two characteristics, really. You have to really enjoy candy and have eaten enough of it to understand what constitutes good or terrible candy and we needed someone that knows both of us really well so that they can shoot it to us straight okay we don't need an outsider coming in trying to play favorites here so the obvious answer for our small talk candy draft judge is our friend Mike Gullick Jr. Mike thank you for joining the pod thank you for agreeing to be our judge this week Guys, a true honor to both hear this as a token of friendship, the shared bond that we all have in this, and an acknowledgement that I am slowly plowing my way towards my father's side of the family's history of type 2 diabetes. It feels good. <laughs> um, and for our listening-only audience, Mike is joining us via Zoom, and he's wearing a beautiful t-shirt that says Thicko Mode. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, sometimes uh, God's timing is just too perfect. Shout out to Mina Kimes. I, this uh, t-shirt was a gift, and... Uh, it is all too fitting, even though right now it fits very snug. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, Mike, for all the listeners out there who need a refresher on how we chose our picks, our selections in the candy draft, we're going to just run through these. I'll give my entire squad. So Rudy's going to give his entire squad. And then we're going to kick it to you for some observations, okay? Perfect. 
Actually, Steve, why don't you go first since you have the number one overall pick? We'll go that way. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I know people have been haters here, on, especially on Twitter, about my list and my affinity for nuts and dried fruits. And I'm not even trying to be healthy in this thing. So, Golg, I already know you know this, but for anyone that forgot, I went Kit Kat with the number one pick. First off, that wasn't even number one on my big board. We'll get to that in a second. I had Kit Kat and Twix basically like two and two B, I guess, if you will say. So I went Kit Kat first. Probably was a mistake because Michelle ended up going Twix with her first pick. But I had Kit Kat, Skittles, Hershey's with almonds, which is one of the most underrated bars there is, Sour Patch Watermelon, Raisinets, Almond Joy, Turtles, Pretzel M&M's, Trolley or Trolley Worms. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I don't know if you do, but who knows. Trolley, Trolley. You know the bag. It's a black bag. It's got worms. They're sour. They're awesome. Laffy Taffy, <laughs> Reese's Fast Break, Take Five, regular Hershey Kisses, Blow Pops, and I concluded with the um, with Mr. Irrelevant, which is, by the way, my number one candy, Charleston Chews. Yeah, lot to take in there. A lot to download, Mike. And I want to make it clear before I give my list, Mike, Steve did know that he could choose any candy out there before he made his selections. I didn't say, it, hey, keep it in the trail mix, family. <laughs> he just made those picks himself. It is impressive. The Charleston Chew is a number one overall. I had heard that going around here, so I was prepared for that news. What I was not prepared for is that I won't tell you who yet, but Steve actually has my favorite candy bar in existence on right. his list. So good, good start. Good start. I like this. Well, that doesn't make me feel great about this. <laughs> Getting to my picks. But all right, here's my entire squad. And I feel great about all my picks from top to bottom. In the state draft, there was a couple things I didn't feel 100% about. We made the best of what we had left on the big board. With yeah, this, at four. Come on, that was an amazing pick. We'll get that was aggressive. That. We, <laughs> we need to just table that because you know it was great. But with this, everything I wanted except for one pick, Steve got – sour watermelons, which were, that was your only really great pick, but I was pumped with my selection. So I went Twix number two overall after Steve left it on the board. Bad choice by you. Then I went Starburst, peanut M&Ms, Reese's peanut butter cups, but specifically the egg shaped ones around Easter, much better than the normal ones. I don't know why. True. Again, I went very hyper specific with our mystery airheads. A Kinder Bueno bar. Mike, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. We went international and, uh, Honestly, I think that might be a sneaky top three pick if we're really going there, but I got it in a mid-round. Twizzlers, Swedish Fish, Tootsie Pops, Fruities, you know, those little parade candies, Mike. I know you know what I'm talking about. Reese's Pieces, Butterfingers, a Peanut Butter Snickers, Rolos, and then we rounded out with Junior Mints. So, Mike, now that you have both of our picks from top to bottom, I'm just going to kick it to you for some observations here. What do you like? What do you not like? All right, well, uh, in addition, Saruti pointed out like the, the very trail mix-ish list on this one that's not surprising to a lot of people. Another one in the pool of least surprising moves is Smalls going international on the candy. <laughs> Only true. Michelle would make sure that there was international representation <laughs> on this list. The well-traveled, off-traveled Michelle Smallman. So zero surprise there. Here's the interesting one in all of this. And so I understand the debate around the number one overall pick here. To me, that's a coin flip. I think that comes down to personal preference. I would be on the Twix side of history on this one, but I think Kit Kats are important, Steve. I am trusting that you don't bite the Kit Kats down the middle like a savage, so you break them off. All right. No, I, of course not. I figured as much. You're a man of taste, a man yeah. of culture, but we have to <laughs> let the people at home know that that's not acceptable in, in a polite society. My favorite candy bar on this list, and I believe the best candy bar in circulation and one of the most underrated pieces of snacking of all time, is the Reese's Fast Break Bar. 
Oh, for, my, yes. for my money, it is the perfect combination of texture, flavors, and overall presentation. It's a triumph. So, Saruti, great pick there. Dude. <laughs> Thank you. And I totally agree because Michelle took regular Reese's and Reese's Pieces, and I would argue I got the best Reese's product in the Reese's Fast Break bar. So you could have all the other Reese's product. I got the one that actually matters, which is the Fast Break. And if you haven't had it, I'm telling you, because my wife, she was looking at this list earlier today, and she's like, I've never heard of that. What is it? I pulled up a picture. I mean, how would you explain it? It's basically a Reese's bar. It's got peanut butter in the middle, but it's got like a nougat in there as well for a different textural thing. It is delicious. It probably should have went higher than when I even took it, but I didn't think Michelle knew about it. So I waited for it and got it late. Incredible value pick in there. That's the Tom Thank Brady you. of this candy draft right there. Whoa, Future Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest of all time. And you're right, the nougat's the difference. It gives it that little bit of bite when you get to yep. the middle of the bar. That being said, Smalls, your observation about the holiday Reese's and you know, we'll use the egg as a proxy here. It could be the Christmas tree or the pumpkin in that one too. <laughs> Different peanut butter to chocolate ratio makes yes. them far superior to the Reese's cup. A hill I will die on time <laughs> after time. The other one in here, if I'm looking at sneaky pick, raisinets don't get their due. Raisinets are a solid candy. Thank you. Though it's the kind of stuff the weird neighbor gives out on Halloween in addition to toothbrushes. It's a great candy and one I won't tolerate slander of. Thank you. So Thank you. Look at that. So Mike and Steve, you guys both said, hey, let's take a mediocre fruit and a grape. Let's take it in its most disgusting form. And we're going to pick that in a candy draft. No, you know what's crazy is that I don't even really like raisins. I don't eat raisins by themselves. I don't like them in salads. I don't really like raisins in any form. But when you surround them with milk chocolate, they are transformed into this otherworldly I would say top three to five movie snack of all time. I mean, I remember in middle school, I would always get Raisinets. It'd be Raisinets. It would be another one on my list, the Sour Patch uh, Watermelon, Skittles for sure. But I could not go without Raisinets to this day. And so, yes, it's kind of weird because it's a dried fruit. But I would say I don't even think about that when I eat Raisinets. They're awesome. So throw the dried fruit stuff out the window. It doesn't matter. Some foods and some candies are more than the sum of their parts. Raisinets would be one of those instances. And I'm with you. We're ranking top three movie candies, by the way. Number one overall controversial, Milk Duds. The only place it's appropriate oh. to eat them at the movies. Number two, Peanut M&Ms. And number three, Raisinets work their way into the uh, winner's stand on that one. I understand the groan there with the Milk Duds, but I am what I am. And I've come to really enjoy those. And the movies are the only place I think you're allowed mm -hmm. to eat those. I thought you uh, appreciated your teeth more. The milk duds doesn't it's really tough. register with me. Strong molars back here. A lot like <laughs> my stomach. I've punished my teeth and stomach over the course of 30 years on this earth so they can withstand a fair amount in all this one. I'm trying to think if there's any other general observations here. Now, I understand it's on Smallman's list, but Saruti, I feel like this is something that you would dislike just because it seems quintessentially Smallman. Swedish fish, <laughs> talk to me. Where are you at? Okay, you know what's funny? And I, I don't know if I'm crazy for thinking this, but do you guys think that the small Swedish fish are infinitely better than the bigger Swedish fish? I only like yeah. the small ones. If they're the bigger ones that you get, you get those in like Easter packs for some reason. I don't know why. I don't really like them. I like Swedish fish, but I think they're one of the most overrated candies. I actually think Michelle has a lot of very overrated candies on her list. And I'll, I'll actually include this one as well because you brought it up, Junior. I think peanut M&Ms are infinitely overrated. I think M&Ms in general are pretty overrated. I went with pretzel M&Ms are the only one that I had on the list. Neither of us picked regular M&Ms, which is, I think, rightfully so. They're just kind of boring. But of all the M&M variety, I think peanut M&Ms, they're going to get drafted high, but I don't think I would ever really want them in my squad. Mike, this is why you can't trust Saruti's palate. He made nine out of his 15 picks based on nuts, and then he comes in here blaspheming peanut M&Ms. Well, peanuts are overrated. It's, it's an overrated nut. What can I say? Wow, wow, the peanut slander is strong in here. Uh, I, 
So Rudy, I can't say I'm with you on this one. For me, peanut M&M is the second best M&M in the M&M kingdom behind the peanut butter filled M&M. Far and away the best kind of M&M, in my opinion. The pretzel M&M is a great choice. Again, I'm a big textural eater, so that yep. extra snap inside there is huge. But the peanut butter M&M, that smooth bite, it's all the best parts of the peanut M&M with just a smoother little hit to it. So vaults it up to number one. Let me ask you this, too, because I think Michelle and I hit it out of the park with our first two picks. Um, Michelle doesn't think Kit Kats are in this category. I do. And I think you, you obviously agree with me. But as far as our both second overall picks, I took Skittles and she took Starburst. I think those are the two elite gummy fruit tier type candies. Which one would you give the edge to? Honestly, I'd go Skittles on this one. For some reason, I need that hard addition. They're easier to scoop. Starburst, I have to work a little bit too much. You know what Starbursts are like? It is like going to a crawfish broil. And I love eating crawfish, but it's a lot of work for very little meat on that. And it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable and it doesn't mean it doesn't have a place. They're a delight. But it's a lot of work in this situation. And Skittles has given me the goods a lot quicker. And I'll, that's a great point by you. And I'll point this out because I pointed out to Michelle as well. Two, I would argue that two of the four Starburst flavors aren't that good. I would say orange is terrible. And lemon is okay if you pair it with another one, whereas every Skittles flavor is good. Okay, you guys. Well, yes, you can just house Skittles with abandon and you have to take a Starburst out of the wrapper. I'm kind of concerned about your childhood. We know Steve was eating strictly trail mix and raisins as a kid. I don't even know if he knows the definition of candy. <laughs> but Mike, I expected more out of you at a middle school party. Didn't you used to pop in the Starburst and you'd have to time yourself and unwrap it with your tongue? It was like an entire game that everybody used to do. So in addition to getting <laughs> the better of the two fruit candies, you're playing a game. I'm playing a game with a very clear ambition in there, and I was chased growing up, so I saved room for the Lord in this situation. I'm not sure what kind of games you guys are playing. I, I sucked at that game, and I'm trying to put time and room between myself. There was not a lot of uh, showing off there for your boy on that one. I would just end up biting down and eating the entire thing. That was my party trick, mm. is eat yeah. it paper and all like a savage. Ate a lot of rappers as a kid. I understand that. <laughs> big paper guy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, hot take. Big paper guy on this one. Okay, I want to circle um, back on one thing. One thing. Yeah. I didn't realize there were smaller Swedish fish. Are we talking guppies? Uh, since I was the one who brought this up, I'll say this, though. You know what I'm talking about, right, Junior? No. Like they're, they're like Absolutely. The, the two-inch ones that are fat and thick, and there are the smaller ones that are probably like an inch, and they're very small. And the smaller ones, to me, are way, way better. I don't know why, but they just are. Yeah, See, no, I, I know the ones you're talking about. Big Easter basket material mm -hmm. right there. The small mm -hmm. Swedish fish on that one. Smalls, I love the idea of calling them guppies, though. We need that to call is. big Swedish fish and get them on that. That being said, I like the big Swedish fish just because, and I don't know why, I'm generally like a one-bite guy when I go into most foods. It's just the nature of being 300 pounds most of your life. I love being able to bite the big Swedish fish in half. There's something appealing about it. It's because you can pull it as you eat it. It's got that flexibility, so it's kind of a fun, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Do you actually, go stale Swedish fish, Smalls? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Definitely. I kind of didn't know if it was like a Twinkie, if they just never had an expiration date. You can find some errant Swedish fish in your purse and just go for it. Let me bring this up too, Junior, because this is another controversial one. I hate Twizzlers. I think they're terrible. I think they are the single worst candy that any of us picked on this entire list. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you're going to disagree again there as far as now movie candies in the fruity side edition. Twizzlers are, well, so now here's an interesting one. You hate Twizzlers, but where are you at on Red Vines? I like red vines a little bit better, but I don't love either of them. 
for some reason, and again, this runs counter to my logic on Starburst because I said it was a little bit too much work, but I don't know, for me on this one, Twizzlers is sort of like string cheese, but like the fruity fun form. So again, there's something about it I like as I sit here with two bags of string cheese in my <laughs> fridge right now. So yeah, big Twizzler guy over here. It's not enough work. And my favorite thing was to tear it off in bunches. I don't know if you guys did the single strand when you were doing it, but I was yep. at least three a grip on that one. I needed a little yep. bit of ass to my Twizzlers. I was Here's a single that. strand guy for sure. Of course you were, Steve. It's Are on you? brand. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> I don't know what's more on brand, Steve pulling the singular strand of the Twizzler pull and peel or Golic going 3D. <laughs> I don't know which one's more on brand. That should be the first thing on both of our resumes. You know exactly <laughs> what kind of human being you're dealing with. Okay, but here's a hot tip. Have you ever had the watermelon Twizzler pull and peels? Those are on another level. Yep. Oh, you yeah, you didn't pick that. Now, in the same family, and I feel like a misfire, if you're going to go down this route, the clearly superior uh, fruit candy of length is the Nerds Rope. I hate Ooh. Nerds. Oh, Nerds oh! are so bad. I I've hate Nerds. i never had that. And they didn't get picked. Ugh, they're like these little nuggets of sour. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't like them. I haven't had a nerd in easily a decade, so maybe my palate has changed. But from what I remember, nerds are just not pleasant. But the nerds rope, so you get the best of both worlds. It's a little bit of texture with that gummy rope feel there. There's a fair amount of food to it, because the one critique that I would say is just with nerds is you tend to get them in those tiny packs. So you basically take a shot of it, and it's like a bump of nerds. The high yeah. is not going to last you all that long. But the nerds rope, it's got some girth to it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to, we'll have to. <laughs> was, girth, was girth what finally took it over the line on this podcast, Michelle? I guess so. I didn't know, I didn't know girth was in the candy sort of Rolodex, but I love it. I love it. I mean, your breakdowns, this is why you bring you on, because your breakdowns are as unique as anybody. Honestly, I will never be able to look at a nerd's rope the same. I'll just think, wow, what a girthy rope. <laughs> ah, Low-key thick. <laughs> okay, so any other observations before we crown a winner here? You want Let to defend just, yourself because I know you want to. Okay, because I have been getting a lot of people on Twitter who are like, oh, Saruti got destroyed in this one. And I don't really care because you like what you like. And Golik, before you even play judge here and tell us the winner, one of the things that I always love about you is that currently you're wearing a Thicko Modes t-shirt. You are not afraid to be who you are. And in my list, I was just not afraid to be who I was. Charleston Chew is my favorite candy. I don't care if you ridiculed me for it. I'm going to take it. I mean, I strategically took it last because I knew Michelle wasn't going to take it. But there are a bunch of other candies on my list that Michelle has sort of shamed me for. You had Kit Kats in the teens, I think, somewhere on your big board, Michelle, which is insane to me. Didn't like Charleston Chews. Didn't like Hershey's with almonds, which I was flabbergasted by. Hershey's with almonds is a delicious candy bar. So, Golik, I remember there was this one time when we were talking, the new Taylor Swift album had just come out and we were talking oh, about it. I think we, in, in the, we were talking about it in the cafeteria and you and I were like having a legitimate discussion about what our favorite songs were. We went, I think, basically track by track and Will Kane is standing there looking at us being like, what the hell are these you talking about? Like, why am I friends with them? But one of the things that I love and appreciate about you is that you are not afraid to be who you are. And that's what I did with my candy list. I don't care if you ridicule me. I like what I like. I'm sorry. I just want to say this. You can tell how bad Steve's list is that he has to essentially butter <laughs> you up and talk about how you aren't afraid to be you and how you guys both have an affinity for Taylor Swift. He understands that he made geriatric picks here. It's almost as if it was a nursing home warden was saying, hey, you can only have bite-sized things that are healthy, Steve. So yes, Go ahead. I will let you respond, Mike, but I see what you're doing here, Steve. I see the gamesmanship and I don't appreciate it. Listen, first off, Steve knows I can be bought and buttered up. Like I am <laughs> that true. simple and I am, I am willing to be won over by flattery. But I will say this in all, in all sincerity and flattery aside here, as I love both of you dearly on this one, 
at first look, when you look at these lists, it looks like Michelle gutted you alive. Like if you just go down it, but then you start to look a little bit more. And I'm telling you this fight in my mind, when I was sitting here grading drafts today, was way closer than I expected on this one. Mm -hmm. Speaking of what we haven't talked about at all, ring pops, what a joy. In addition to being a pretty delicious treat, an absolute staple of so many wonderful childhood experiences. Who hasn't faked to propose to a girl at school using a ring pop like it's something to go about and do in all that one? Laffy Taffy, we have not spoken. <laughs> you know what, Ms. Schmallman, I have a plan next time I see you. So there we go. We've got something perfect right there. I will make sure you can check that life experience off the box there. Laffy Taffy, another one here. Yep. Gets, gets no bang for its buck. Obviously, if you eat the banana Laffy Taffy, I don't really have time for you in a lot of this one. Totally. But the rest of the flavors, a joy in all that one. Pretzel M&Ms, we already talked about. The trolley or trolley worms, however you pronounce it. Like, there's some really good underrated snacks in here. In addition to, like I said, my favorite candy bar in the game, Kit Kats, which Smallman, I'm sorry, going to flat out disagree with you here on an elite candy bar and candy mm -hmm. choice in this one. So ultimately, listen, I'm going to give the win to Smallman on this one. There's just too much firepower at the start of this. It looks like the Chiefs offense on paper where, like, <laughs> you don't have to know football to know it's a really good thing going on over there but Sarudi I understand people are going to ridicule your taste on here and I'm telling you those people are wrong there's a little bit too much almond in it for my taste and that's just me <laughs> but overall the rest of this list there are some absolute heat rockets in here and I appreciate the fact that you thought wisely about who you were drafting against you got some good value picks in there and made this a close fight you know, fair criticism. Just like in our state draft, I went a little bit too high on foliage, drafted way too many states because of foliage. I love foliage. In our candy draft, I probably went a little bit too high on the almond thing. I do. I mean, I love a good almond. I think an almond makes a candy bar, takes it, turns it into a, a good candy bar, makes it into a great candy bar. But it's constructive criticism. I think you're probably right. I went a little bit too high on the nuts thing. I will learn in the future. Yeah, nuts are your Achilles heel, noted for the future. But thank you, Mike, for coming on and clearly letting the people know who won this draft. I mean, it was close. Come on, come on. It was close. And when we all make our trip, God willing, the football season happens and we can make a trip to Wisconsin at some point in all this one. Like I know we talked about, yes. a certain bucket of candy will be coming with one Mike Gold Jr. for all of us to gorge on. Love it. Well, He's you know, Mike, if that happens, it's Halloween weekend. Dangerous. So <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> are going to be ODing on some candy, that is for sure. Oh, uh, what a great way to go out. That's the way the Lord intended for Golok <laughs> to die. So are you officially the candy commish? Listen, if you guys are willing to bestow that honor upon me, happy to wear the title. I'll add it to the Twitter bio. I don't know anyone better for it, so it's all yours. Plus, you're the only option right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, fair point. Quarantine makes us, uh, makes us victims of scarcity, so I'll take it. Thanks again to Mike Golick Jr. for being our first ever candy commissioner. Steve, I'm really sorry that he had to be so tough on you and give me the W there. You know, I like what I like. I'm not going to apologize for it, Michelle. It is what it is. If you don't like Charleston shoes, then I can't help you out. I mean, Steve, I think the majority of people listening to this don't like Charleston shoes. <laughs> I tried to butter Golick up. I did. I tried to get on his good side and talk about our yeah. love for Taylor Swift. And I think it worked a little bit, but it didn't work enough for him to give me the victory. But it's okay. I'm happy with what I drafted. If you don't like it, it's not the end of the world. You know, I said he was hard on you, but in all reality, he was actually very kind to you and yeah. wasn't as brutal towards some of your picks as I would have liked. <laughs> but I will say this. He said something during our conversation that I thought was even better than him announcing me the winner. And that's when he said that nerds ropes had a lot of girth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think we were going <laughs> to... 
as you hear that voice laughing along with us, I thought that was the perfect transition from girthy nerd ropes into 10,000 frogs. We're talking bad dates. We <laughs> haven't done 10,000 frogs in a while. I went back and looked and Steve, it's been since December since we've done 10,000 frogs. So we thought, hey, 100th episode, we need to bring back one of our favorite features. And since Steve and I seem to be disagreeing on pretty much everything recently, we said, hey, we need another person to come in as a neutral voice and judge this. So we're bringing back our friend Marvin Prince. You heard him a few weeks ago join the podcast. He is with us again this week. And Marvin, thank <laughs> you for joining us. Sorry that I didn't give you the heads up on Girthy before I brought you. Nah, all good. Girth is, it's a good surprise if you're into that. <laughs> what a start, yes. <laughs> I will say, like, you cannot use girth to describe anything and not sexualize it. Like, you can't. Oh, never. You can't. Never. So, like, never. It, 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 even if it isn't, like, based in sexual, whatever, like, sexuality, it's now a sexual word, period. It's, like, yeah. never. I can't wait to start my cover band, Girth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. Honestly, <laughs> one other scenario or sentence that you would use the word girth in if it was not no. in some sort of sexual form? No. Because even if you could, like, it literally will turn into a that's what she said or some type, like, it just yeah. would turn inappropriate incredibly fast. Yeah, Mike Bullock Jr. said, you know what you guys didn't mention was nerds ropes and those are girthy candy. <laughs> and I could not regain composure. And the only thing I could think of responding with, which obviously didn't apply, was I think more women need to know that the nerds actually have the girth. Mm. Get yeah. the word out. Get the word, get the word, the word out. out. Right. <laughs> right. I'll get the seashell and let everybody know. Right. <laughs> But anyway, we are so excited, Marv, to have you here to judge 10,000 Frogs this week. Before we actually started recording, I saw you pour a glass of wine. You're settling in. You're setting the mood. You are ready to go. I'm ready. What are you sipping on over there? Um, it's a little Roscato from our local uh, establishment down the street. Where a couple of college kids put me up on this, and, you know, I thank them. College kids are drinking Roscato. Wow. I didn't, I, that was not who well, I thought. They work there. Mm. And and they're bros. They were like, bro, try this. And they saw it. And I'm a I'm an older gentleman. And they were like, bro, bro, Roscato, yo, so good, bro. I was like, thanks, bro. You, you look like a man with refined taste buds. Like this guy needs to get some Roscato in his life. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm past I'm past the Keystone Light days. Yeah. You know what? That's actually good. Before we get into this, great point. When's the last time that you drank a shit ton of shitty beer? Because I was trying to think about this the other day. Like, we were talking about back in college, Keystone, Natty, whatever. And I want to say, like, it was probably in my like, mid-20s, maybe like 26, 27. And I feel like at that point, then you start drinking less beer, but you, drink, you start drinking better beer. I would say, okay, a couple months ago when I went on my trip to Thailand, we had one day, we had a pool at the place we were staying at our villa. And one day we just stayed there and we played beer pong all day. And we were drinking what is the equivalent of Keystone Light in Thailand. Some really, really inexpensive Thai beer. It did not taste great, but it was very effective. Yeah, yeah, it does the job. But other than that, I mean, you're talking to a girl that goes to baseball games and we'll drink whatever's on draft. Just give me a hot dog and a beer. Yeah. At a baseball game, and I don't really care what it is, except that Coors kind of tastes like water, so pass there. Definitely. 
Yeah. yeah. But you weren't drinking like 14 of them. You're drinking a couple of yeah. them. Keystones, the Natties, even the Bud Lights, Bush Light, which by the way is underrated. You're drinking for volume when you're drinking that. For sure. You're not worried about taste. No. Right. You want the 30 pack? That's $7.99. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. Okay, guys. Well, let's get into 10,000 Frog. Dating is really, really hard. Uh, so listen, I want to ask you something. Um, can I get your number? But don't worry, listeners. You have to kiss 10,000 frogs before you find the one. Can I have your phone number? Can I have it? Will you give me your number? Can I have it? Can I have your number? Let's get through this together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Small Talk presents 10,000 Frogs. We need to revisit this since it's been since December, since we actually did 10,000 Frogs. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have forgotten who is the current reigning champion frog. I forgot. I had to go back and listen. And the winner is Cardio Frog. And for those who also yes. need a refresher on who Cardio Frog is, and Marv, I want to get you up to speed as well. Cardio Frog was a story that was submitted to us about a guy or a girl who met this guy online and they started hanging out. They had a great date. They go back to his place and he informs her that the thing that really gets him going is listening to her heartbeat with a stethoscope <laughs> before they hook up. <laughs> and he reveals to her that he is in fact a cardiophile. So we have people that have a foot fetish or people that like bondage or whatever. His thing is BPM, beats per minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alexa, can you play Ray Schremer, no type? <laughs> <laughs> or actually, Alexa, can you play very hyper-specific type? <laughs> <laughs> but the story continues on that she was kind of like, I, you know, hadn't really hung out with anybody in a while and I thought wow this could be way worse so I allowed it to happen and it was fine and then as they continued to hang out he was like you know what would be really hot if you pretended to have a heart attack and die <laughs> and like, what so she was like again I liked everything about him other than this specific thing so I did it and after they were done hooking up he was like listen, your acting skills could use some refining. Maybe next time, like really pretend to be very dead. Yeah. And she was like, you know what, dude? I think we're good here. I think we're good. All constructive criticism, but hey, I don't know if there was a second date um, No. <laughs> Imagine being so confident in yourself that you are going to criticize someone's fake dying skills after, yeah. that after you hooked up. I just think the balls to ask somebody for that on the first real mm. go around is mm. like, mm. maybe you don't bring up the cardiophile thing until like the second or third time. To bring it up the first time, right? that's a guy who just does not, he, zero but, bucks. That's a fact. But also <laughs> when you do something that's kind of like, damn, this is kind of off the cuff. You should kind of wait until maybe I'll like boyfriend, girlfriend, and like real feelings. And mm -hmm. like, I love this person or I really like them. So I'll do it, but not like, but damn, I never heard that before heart attack. I mean, damn, they don't sell like the fake stethoscope at a VIP, I don't think. No, those are expensive. Like you gotta, you gotta buy <laughs> yeah. you gotta get that from like a medical clinic guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, you know, it's a dollar store. Yeah. It's a tool an actual doctor uses. Imagine going to buy that too, be like, oh, sir, like what's your practice? Are you like a general physician? He's like, no, nah, I'm just really into cardiophilia. That's just my thing. Yeah. I think I also, and I was listening back, I mentioned this on that pod, but I think it's worth repeating as a female, 
if you're hanging out with a guy and he's like, you know what's really going to turn me on? You dying. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow. Mm, what's I, up? You know what? Mm. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You filling out that life insurance form? Yeah. <laughs> Hot. Let's go. <laughs> next and next time be even more dead just yeah. Like, yeah, keep yeah, going yeah. until you're yeah. like super duper dead so anyway that is sitting on the current throne here on Ten Thousand frogs and that's gonna be a tough one well real quick <laughs> because what happened to crack frog because crack frog to me was by far i thought that was the best one because correct me if i'm wrong michelle but this was i forget it was a guy or a girl but they would go on this date and then they end up going back to the father-in-law's house or something the or the, uncle's, house. The uncle's <laughs> house to smoke crack and they're like yeah do you want to come and smoke crack and they're like uh no i'm gonna pass on the crack tonight thank you yeah i believe the story was they met at a local <laughs> chili's and she ordered two meals and was like i need you to drive me home and the guy was like okay so you're taking a second meal to go and you need me to drive you home and it ended up being like a 40 minute drive and she's like want to come in and when they went inside the house the meal was for her uncle who was sitting on the couch smoking crack and then they invited the guy to co go in and smoke crack. And he was like, I'm going to just go ahead and back up. I think we're okay here. <laughs> but still, go I feel like the crack frog got dethroned many moons ago. It, it did. I just wanted to bring it up because I felt like it got wrongly taken off of its throne as best 10 yeah, frogs. Yeah, crack bay is up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you guys, though, but I would rather have a one-time encounter with a guy who smokes crack than have actually hooked up with a guy who wants me dead. You're right. I guess you could. <laughs> that's a good point. Because, yeah. Like the person that wants you to smoke crack, you can just leave and you never have to deal with it again. Whereas like you are now connected with the person that you had cardiophilia sex with. And that is a little bit weird. Okay. So I put out the call to our great listeners saying, Hey, I know you guys have had some bad quarantine dates. Dating in the time of a pandemic cannot be easy. So people responded and we have some great options. We actually have three options. And what I'll do is I will run through each of them. We can dissect each frog get it guys and nice. we can choose oh i see a winner you see what i did there we can choose a winner from this round and decide if this frog will dethrone cardio frog all right you guys ready to go mm -hmm. frog number one hey sarudi and michelle quarantine was long and it was lonely so i did what any dude would do i fired up tinder and made plans to hang with the first fish that bit. Nice. <laughs> I'm assuming this dude is from the Midwest. She came over to my place. We, again, hung out. So. The end. Two days later, I got sick, like really sick. Went and got a test, boom. I hooked up with a rando and I got COVID. That's the story. Love the pod. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Wait, do they know that the person who they hooked up with had COVID and then, oh, like no. that was the direct, so they don't know, okay. Wow. No, I'm assuming that the person wasn't like, hey, I have COVID, want to hang out? Well, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I hope they, they were hiding it. That's intense. Wow. Okay. I love this last line. I hooked up with a rando and got COVID. That's the story. <laughs> 2020 somehow gets worse for that person. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a bummer. I don't even really know what to say. Marv, you got any thoughts? I feel terrible for that guy because it's been so long. And you're like, oh, let's get it going, yada, yada, yada. And the worst case scenario happened. I hooked up with a rando and I got COVID. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess. I'm sorry. At that point, do you, I mean, they didn't say this in the uh, in the story, but do you have to talk to the person and be like, hey, I actually have COVID? You do the responsible thing and be like, you should probably get yourself tested. It's not like an STD, but it kind of yeah. is. Like, hey, you should probably get yourself tested here. Because, well, you could die from it. So. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind <laughs> right. of a big deal. Yeah. Well, 
And we're assuming, and this guy is assuming that he got it from this girl and either maybe she was asymptomatic or maybe he got it somewhere else and is just pegging yeah. it on her. But either way, yeah, I would hit her up and be like, you might want to get a test. Maybe he should have worn protection and put a mask on. That's right. I mean, I, we don't know if COVID is sexually transmitted. So no kissing. Yeah, not confirmed. I wonder if anyone's done an actual right. test on that yet. I did read an article about how to have safe hookups during quarantine. Somebody sent it to me and they were like, you should talk about this on the podcast. And it was really funny because they were saying no kissing allowed. And they were saying you should put things between your body, like pillows and or a wall. And I'm like, I don't know physically that's possible, but, what? and also if you're going to have to put all of these things in between you, what's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You might as well just video chat. I don't know. What's the point? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of video chat, so we're going to call that the COVID frog or the Corona frog. Mm-hmm. I like Corona frog. Corona frog. I like, I like uh, Corona frog. Okay. So our first frog in discussion, Corona Frog. But speaking of video chat, Steve, here is frog number two. All right, Michelle, here is my bad quarantine date story. I matched with this guy on Bumble. He was really cute and our conversations were great. We seemed to be in the same stage of life and we had so much in common. The talks got really deep early and we shared a lot about our political beliefs, religion, you name it. I felt really connected to this guy. After two weeks of texting, he wanted to hang out in person, but I have a family member who is immunocompromised, so I've been taking the restrictions really seriously during the pandemic. I suggested we do a Zoom date, and he agreed. I was nervous about the Zoom thing. It felt really awkward to meet a guy this way, so I had some wine before, probably a little too much. Anyway, he calls me up, we connect, and I'm pleasantly surprised that he looks as good as his pictures. All right. we, start, we start chatting. I'm a little tipsy at this point, and he is drowning me in flattery, so I start loosening up a bit, and I start giving it back to him. One thing leads to another, and we take it up a notch, and <laughs> we take it up a notch in the flirting department. Before I know it, I'm four glasses of wine deep with my top off, and now we're in the thick of it. Just, just thick top of off. It? That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the girth of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> things, have gotten, things have gotten girthy. <laughs> um, so just when we are really going for it, I see a door behind him open and he flips around and starts screaming, what are you doing? Get back in your room. Yes, it was a child. Yes, I was topless. Yes, the child saw the screen. Come to find out this dude very much had a family that he never told me about and was video chatting slash sexting me while they slept. It's pretty sad that my only quarantine date involved a kid seeing my boobs. Wow. Wait, so was he, was he married or just, did he just have kids? If he had kids, I kind of feel bad for him because like, all right, yeah, you're stuck in quarantine, yeah, yeah. but you still got to do you, right? You still got to do you. I don't That's know. That's a fact. But from what I can gather from this DM, he did not reveal that to this girl. He didn't say, hey, I have yeah. kids. Hey, I have mm. a family. She said, she even mentioned in it, I thought we were in similar places in our lives and things got really personal and we revealed a lot to ourselves really quickly. So I felt connected to him. So yeah, that's a pretty big thing to keep from someone. The kid got a dose of PG-13 rated R like real quick in COVID. He couldn't watch the movies, but he got a little dose of real life stuff. It's not her fault. It is what it is. You know, this no, kid's not probably, her fault. it's not like she right. scarred this kid for life. It is what it is. But 
I don't know. I, I guess you're right. If they talked about a bunch of stuff and they were really deep and he didn't mention that, that's probably a bummer. I think I'd be pretty pissed if I was hurt, but I don't know. You just kind of like go your separate ways. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be really thrown off. Like, wait, you're burying the lead. <laughs> to me, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what? Like, oh, you know, my religion is this and my political beliefs are this. I didn't mention, you know, I have kids and they're over. I just, oh my God. I just and feel so bad for her. That's why I'm assuming there might be a wife involved, too. If he didn't tell her about the kids, who knows what his actual status is. That's a great call, too. And then if he is married, does he talk to the kid and be like, listen, you can never mention this. Tell me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I will buy you all the candy in the world. You cannot mention what you saw to mom. I mean, that's going to slip. The kid's going to be like, hey, I saw a boob. It was awesome. Yeah. And the kid's like hey, dad, I want to stay up to watch Disney Plus. And the dad's like, no, you need to go to bed. And the kid's like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he's lost all leverage there. All Am leverage. I going to bed? Yeah, all leverage. He's like, go to your room, son. No, you go to your room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, You'll tell and, me. I, and I'm coming with you. And I'm coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> and fire up the laptop, dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But listen, I don't even want to say this because people are going to be like, why are you helping this guy make excuses? But if you're the dad, you're just like, hey, it was Cinemax. Like, I'm not going to say, hey, it's a girl I met on a dating app. That's a good point. There's an easy way to to lie about that if you are married. On one hand, I feel bad for the guy because if he is single and he's just trying to meet people, all right, it's tough. You got kids, whatever. But if you're having these life conversations, that probably should come up. Absolutely. I feel bad for the topless girl who had a bunch of wine and thought she was going to have a digital get down. And the next thing you knew, she was at preschool. Like, that sucks. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that does. That would really ruin things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it would. Yeah. (laughs) No, like, oh, we can go back to doing what we're doing. No, the hell we can't. Little Timmy just came in here and saw them things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then even, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, say the guy is single and you want to go on a second date with this kid you want, or, in, or you want things to actually go in the future. If she comes over and that little kid recognizes her face and he's going to be like, well, I saw you topless, so this is weird. You know what, Steve? I'm going to go ahead and guess that he's not going to remember her face. Oh, that's Never a know. fact. That's a good point. That's a good point. That is a good Hashtag point. them things. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> So, uh, should we name this thing frog or what? <laughs> yes. I mean, are we going to settle on that? Zoom frog, topless frog. I mean, there's topless, a lot of topless frog. I, I go with topless frog. Topless frog has got to be the one. Topless frog is it. Yeah. You know, and the more I'm thinking this through, I feel so badly for this girl because she starts her night. She's lonely in quarantine. She thinks she's met this great guy. She's having a couple glasses of Pinot Noir on a cold April night, really bummed out about quarantine. And then she goes to bed solo being like, wow, a child that I don't know just saw my boobs and I was yeah. lied to. She accidentally exposed herself to. to a child. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yikes. That's going to be a rough Saturday night, let me tell you. Okay, so currently in the running, we have Corona Frog and we have Topless Frog. All right, you guys, this last one is very interesting and involves kind of a celebrity appearance, but it's going to be a mystery celebrity. And I'm not going to reveal who the actual person yeah. is. We're not trying to out people here. Yeah. We're not trying to out people. We're just That's trying to get fact. a good story. So we're trying to show some respect here on Small Talk, okay? So... Our listener says, I went on a date with a guy who was the brother-in-law of a pretty prominent college football coach. 
We had met on a dating app, texted for a while, and we decided to meet up. Mind you, it's during a pandemic, so we went on separate bike rides and met up after. We started chatting. We were having a great conversation, and he invites me back to the place he's staying. I go in, and it's an entire squad, his whole family. His sister, their kids, and this football coach were all there. We hung out for a drink, hung out in the living room. We were still on lockdown, so we didn't go anywhere or do anything after that. That was the first date. Then we hung out the next weekend and things got weirder. He got angry because he wanted me to shack with him. I said I didn't feel comfortable (laughs) staying with him after two dates. Plus, we were in the middle of a pandemic. And the kicker, the prominent football coach was staying in the next room of the space that this guy was staying in. So I denied him. He tells me we're going to hang out. He said he'd text me to meet up on multiple times. I haven't seen him since. So my best quarantine date story is that I've been cock blocked twice by a prominent college football coach. All right, first things first. Is it weird going over to the sister's house the first time you meet? I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would do that. Mm. Definitely in a pandemic, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't do it probably normally either. Yeah, I am definitely not doing it in a pandemic. And I actually, I don't even think it matters, pandemic or not. First hang, I'm not going over to your sister's house to be with her kids. Yeah, no way. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of pressure. Right. Like the first time, hey, come meet my family. Absolutely not. That's got to take some time. Here's the weird yeah. thing to me about this whole thing as well is, okay, so this guy who is the, again, you said the brother-in-law of a famous college football coach. This guy on the first day invites you to his sister's house. So he's like all in real fast and yeah. then ghost you two dates later because you didn't put out basically. Yeah. Well, there's mixed signal. This guy doesn't know what he wants. I don't understand what's going on here. Maybe he brought her there with the family to say, hey, I'm a great guy. Check out my family. I'm serious about this. And then when it didn't work, he revealed his true colors. Yeah, I think it's probably a good thing that that happened because that's not a guy you want to be around. That guy seems a little, he he doesn't have his shit figured out. And clearly, I mean, do we know how old this guy is? I believe in the message, they may have said 30. So I don't know if it's low 30s, high 30s, but it seems like in the 30s. Mm. When you said 30s, that was it for me. At that point, I think you're a little bit too old to be playing those games like, oh, you're not going to hook up with me? At 25, sure. But if you're like 32, 33, 34, it seems so juvenile to me. Like, oh, what do you mean you're not going to put out? You know what? You, <laughs> don't you know what's, shut the hell up. <laughs> you know what's weird too, though, is if that's his play, it's like, oh, I'm going like, to invite them over to my family's house so they think I'm like, this good dude. Isn't your family at some point being like, why do you keep inviting these random girls over? <laughs> like, this, this is weird yeah. as hell. Like, get your shit together. Also, if I'm the sister, I'm like, hey, we're in a pandemic. Stop my, bringing randoms to my house. I don't know where they've been. Yeah, and my kids are around. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And also, I'm not sure how famous this college coach is, but him bringing them over and seeing, oh, this is my family. Mm-hmm. Like this name might ring bells. Look who I'm related to. Yeah, that's Come a on. good point. You don't want to? No, yeah. just because of who your brother-in-law is. No, I don't want to. Yeah, that's a flex gone awry. We don't care who your brother-in-law is. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not a cool. That's not a cool thing to throw out there and be like, hey, my right. brother-in-law is famous. Be like, all right, cool. I don't know what, what do you want. But not even famous, <laughs> like in a cool way to. Oh, he's the defensive coordinator. Yeah. F O H. Right. Steve and I talked, Marv, a couple of weeks ago about calves and how guys spend a lot of time building up their calves. And I've never met a girl once in my life that was like, hey, my new dude, 
A plus calves. Mm. Wait till you see those calves. The I definition. Also, I also, <laughs> yeah, like killer definition. I've also never met a girl that's like, hey, my new guy, his brother-in-law is someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Literally no one cares. Only that guy cares. And I feel like that's a huge red flag to me. A lot of this is red flags. Right. But it's a red flag to me that you don't think that you're good enough to impress mm -hmm. a girl unless you're bringing in your college football coach brother-in-law to the conversation. Do you think the coach is also in on this? Is he the wingman or is he just completely oblivious to this and he's being used? That's a good question, and I don't know, but I can imagine that if you're a head coach of a college football program, you've got more to worry about, especially during a pandemic, than your brother-in-law getting some. Yeah. All right. Also, he said in the story, my brother-in-law's next door. Does he live with them also? I think sounds like based, it. based on the story, it sounds like the brother-in-law and the coach were in the same space somehow shacking there together. So I don't know if the guy lives with the sister-in-law. It seems like a lot of convoluted stuff, but either way, why are we shacking in the same place as right. the brother-in-law? <laughs> right. Uh, Y'all sitting there laying up together in somebody else's <laughs> house. That's uh, just the definition of a mooch right there. That's, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. He I, just got that new deal. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, get out of here, you freeloader. <laughs> yes. That's what this guy sounds like. Exactly. For sure. Now, th so the problem with this story is it's a really good story without knowing who the coach is. Like this could be the best story we've ever had if we know who the coach is. So right. it's a really good story that can turn into the greatest story ever if this was some amazing coach. But I don't know. We don't know. But I also kind of feel like it doesn't really matter who the coach is because the coach is not the frog. So to me, it's just some guy that is trying to live this life through his brother-in-law, trying to flex through his brother-in-law. Yeah. Like, I don't care that there was a college football coach in the story. Yes, the name recognition might bring it a little more juice. But to me, it's some guy matching with girls online that is gonna say, hey, come meet my entire family. And then when during a pandemic, you don't want to get busy after two hangs, including a bike ride, that right. I'm going to ghost you. Do you think that in this guy's Tinder bio or Bumble bio, it says Coach Blank's brother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> or is the brother-in-law in his profile picture also? <laughs> yes. He's like, you don't know I'm, which one it is. Yeah. He's like, I'm the one on the left showing off my calves. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who's that guy next to Coach Blank? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder how many girls would even swipe right or left or swipe yes based on the college football coach being there. I mean, if I'm scrolling through and there's a photo of a guy and let's just say, I mean, Nick Saban's the most famous college football coach out there. So let's say it's a guy in Nick Saban. Because you're in a photo with Nick Saban, it's not going to cause me to swipe yes. Yeah. I really want this to be Nick Saban, but it's definitely I not would Saban. love for it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, random kind of related but on hinge or tinder or any of those how many profile pictures of a person with other people i can answer this well not thoroughly but over <clears throat> the weekend i was hanging out with some friends at a pool situation and one of my friends is single and she was like michelle swipe for me and i was like yes give that to me and i need to run this by you i cannot and i i mean i know i'm in the midwest i cannot believe how many dudes have their first photo on a dating profile of them holding up a fish like i have gone fishing 
swipe yes on me. I was like, this is what you're dealing with? This is what guys think girls want to see? Again, I don't know any girl that's like, my new guy, wait till you see the fish he landed this past weekend. Big trout guy. What's up? Yep. Uh, well, I, I, I will say that seems like a Midwest thing to me, Michelle. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to stereotype any, any group of the country, but that seems like a yeah. Midwestern thing. I literally For sure. said to my friend, I was like, what do you do with all these fish guys? And she's like, automatic nose. And then they just kept coming. It was like more and more and more fish guys. Maybe there are outdoor girls that are all into that stuff. I'm sure it works. There's a reason that they probably do it, right? I don't know. To your question, Marv, about other people being in pictures, I think that directly relates to how hot you are. If you are really hot, there's a good chance you're in that picture by yourself. All of the pictures for by sure. yourself. For sure. If you're like a five, there's a good chance mm. that you're going to be in a group shot. There's a good chance. Right, yeah. Or like the best possible picture of yourself and you're like... Yeah. yeah. Okay, but then right, here's okay. my other thing. This is coming, we're, we're just going to marry all this together. I think I realized this past weekend, I don't know... If I was a straight guy and I wasn't really used to taking solo pics or if that wasn't something that I was necessarily comfortable doing, what my photos would be. I was trying to say this to my girlfriend. I'm like, what do guys, like, Steve, what would your pictures be? You don't have any solo pics of yourself. And what would it be like you playing FIFA to identify what you're into? I mean, Mark, what would your solo photos be if you guys were single what would your pictures be on your dating profile? You wouldn't know what to put. You wouldn't be like, oh, I look hot here. Oh, I think you're underestimating guys and they, yeah. and their ability to know what plays and what doesn't play. Oh, for sure. For sure. When I was young and I was out here. I wasn't out here. <laughs> I was out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I would have like my long white tee, my oversized fitted cap. It would just be one of those R&B faces like, it looks stupid now, but at 21, that yeah. thing was working. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just one of those things where you know, all right, this got so many likes. Or when I do this, or when I dress like this, it gets X amount of likes. Or Here's yeah. the thing, too, is that you could crop those photos, though. And I guarantee you, I mean, I had Tinder. I didn't. That was the only one I had. If I pulled it up right now, I guarantee you all my photos would still be there, right? So I could probably tell you what my photos look like. Can you download Tinder and open up your profile right now? Yeah, let's. Oh, yeah, please. Right, let's see what, oh. I mean, I assume that's how it works, right? Oh, my God. Know. For the love of all things holy, Steve, please pull <laughs> up your former Tinder profile. I would die to see what your photos were. And by the way, Marv, I think that's a better play. I would rather look at a guy and be like, was he once in Jagged Edge? <laughs> <laughs> and think about that rather than a guy holding up a fish on a boat, okay? Yeah. The hat was just so enormous. It was just. I'm also and, picturing like a fuzzy bucket hat at one point. <laughs> close, but I wasn't cool. I wasn't LL Cool Marv. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't at that point yet. But uh, you know, my wife, who I met online, I met her on Facebook. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. So. Ouch, yeah. Ouch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those things. Like you know, they used to uh, uh poke. You know, oh, like, whoa, hey now. poke on Facebook, whoa. and I poke, she poked back. Speaking of things <laughs> that can no longer not be sexualized. That's, and, that, <laughs> and that's a fact, and that's how it started. Wait, you're the guy that poked a girl on Facebook, and she poked back, and now you're married? Now, mind you, on her profile, oh, I wish she was here. On her profile, you know, it says, you know, where you're from and where you live and yada, yada, yada. At the bottom, about me, it said, poke me and find out. Ooh, girl. So, 
That's, and you, that's, you were following instructions, man. You yeah, just want to find out. That's, that's, that's exactly how it started. And then, you know, but you, she but came, you didn't she know came, her. You didn't know her. I didn't know her. I didn't know her. Wow. Yeah. And she came to 106 and Marv. <laughs> and, you know. Marv, that is the. Now you got a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but that is to me the quintessential 2005 love story oh yeah for sure so many people in 2005 that's why i love sorry to go off on like a random tangent but that's why i love the movie the social network because yeah. i remember specifically boom you had to be at these schools mm -hmm. and it was 2005 and yeah i met her april 2005 right before spring weekend Thank God you had that EDU email address, right? That, that EDU email address, boy. Bad news. Oh, what does it say? It says, oops, uh, we can't find a Tinder account under that Facebook, which is oh. dumb because I haven't changed my Facebook. So that's oh, dumb. Oh, no. I was actually genuinely interested. If I could remember, they were just cropped photos of me in group photos. That's all it was. And I'm sure a couple of them were like a group of people, but not my first photo. Your first photo has to be a picture of you. Otherwise, For sure. people don't want to do the work to figure it out. Unless it's like a group of 10. Then it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to figure this out. Yeah. Okay, so what should we name that frog? CFB frog? Coach frog. Coach Frog. Coach Frog. Coach Frog. So we have Corona Frog. We topless Frog. have Topless Frog. And we have Coach Frog. So here's what we're going to do, Mark. Steve and I are each going to give our winners, and then we're going to defer to you, and you're going to crown this week's winner. So I think based on everything that I've heard, while I love the Coach story, and I think it might be juicier if we could reveal the name. To me, it's Topless Frog. I mean, if you are four glasses of wine deep and you are taking your top off on a Zoom date and a little kid walks in and sees you, to me, that's the worst. That is by far the worst. And you were lied to about it. I'm with you. You're right. If I knew who the coach was, maybe that would take it over the top. But Topless Frog, anytime you accidentally expose yourself to a kid, that's like straight up an Adam, <laughs> Adam Sandler movie. I think that's pretty much worst case scenario. So Topless Frog, to me, is, uh, is definitely the winner. Yeah, she was just trying to have a virtual hang. She didn't want to get banned from playgrounds for the rest of her yeah, life. Yeah, now she's yeah. on a list somewhere. She definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marv, do you have a differing opinion, or do you two think that Topless Frog wins this week? Oh, no, this is unanimous. Whenever you expose yourself and you end up like uh, Charlie's character in Horrible Bosses, <laughs> the deception, all that entanglement. Nice. Good buzzword. Good buzzword. Yeah, that's it. It's unanimous. I really, I really don't think it's even close with the other ones. Yeah. All right, Marv. Well, here's the tough question here. Does Topless Frog dethrone Cardio Frog, our cardiophile friend from a few months ago? No. <laughs> cardio Frog, that is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Because people have been put in, I think, maybe that spot before where they're on Zoom or they're on whatever FaceTime and they get you know, maybe caught in a compromising position, but the whole, oh, girl, you better play dead. Ew. <laughs> Ew, count me out. What do you mean play dead? Oh, girl, let me see what your funeral about to look like. Mm, get over here. Oh, you dead? You better be. Like, no. <laughs> like, no. Like, what is it? Like, what? No, let's, let's celebrate. Let's be alive. Please. What do you, like, what do you, like, this whole, what do you mean have a heart attack? I think I'm with you. Showing a little titty. It's okay. It is what it is. You know, like, I, it's not, I mean, it's not, could be, it could be worse than that. I mean, it's a kid, but I don't know. Nobody's really hurt in this situation. She'll never know this guy ever again. She'll never know this kid again. It's a hilarious story, but it has no long-term impacts. Hooking up with someone who is a cardiophile who literally wanted you to be dead while having sex 
that would yeah. fuck, you, fuck you up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And you did it. <laughs> that person I'm sorry. did it. <laughs> a little titty never hurt nobody. It's just so ridiculous. It's true. Come on. Um, like, you could turn on cable now and see boobs. So, like, I don't know. It's not the end of the world. I'm with you. I don't know how I'm going to recover from that. <laughs> but, Marv, when I Googled cardiophile, I just had to relook it up to make sure I got it right. One of the things that's out there online that's like a cardiophile digital space where they discuss things, it's called uh, palps and beats, like palpitations and beats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we're hanging out and you're talking about palps, I'm out. I am out. When you guys told me this, I wasn't sure if anything was going to beat it. Topless came kind of close. But not to that point. Rudy was right. A, a little titty never hurt anybody. A big one might, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, at least the kid didn't walk in and go, meh. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's right. true. That's true. All right, yeah, ew. Dad, yeah. you can do better than that. Yeah. Oh, that's all? Okay, well, cardiophile lives to see another day. The cardio frog still reigns king here on 10,000 Frogs. Marv, thank you for joining us. This was super fun. Yes, thank so, you guys. So glad thanks, to have you back on the pod. You're the best. All right, man. Thanks, guys. Well, since it is episode 100 of our podcast, I've been kind of reminiscing over the past, I guess, what is it, two plus years that we've been doing this podcast together. And I think perhaps the most remarkable thing that's come out of that time span is that we've done 99 episodes and Saruti doesn't totally hate me yet, which I think is a win for a guy that generally doesn't like most people and typically hates talking to people for extended periods of time. But I am Fair. fully aware that our friendship hangs in the balance because I'm pretty sure that after Steve watches the three Cardinals baseball games that I've required of him for this podcast <laughs> to continue, that he's going to want to quit. So I have a preemptive strike and I'm giving Saruti a little bit of a gift for episode 100. And that gift is to not talk to me for a good 10 minutes. So I'm bringing in the big guns, no pun intended. We are joined by our friend Ryan Rosillo, who is here to talk about dude stuff and probably NBA with Saruti. What's up, everybody? Thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, this feels like a, this feels like a pre-show meeting. We just need somebody to come in and maybe give us a terrible idea and me to eye roll Saruti and uh, me just say, all right, moving on. So we, that won't happen. 100 episodes. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you bring up the TV stuff, like our pre-show meetings, we are very exclusive in those. We are kind of dickish, I think, in a lot of ways, in that, you know, if you weren't part of the crew, I don't know if we were super welcoming, but once you were in the crew, it was it was all good, and those are some of the best times we had. But the inner crew was very small. Right, but that's, that's a trust thing. It wasn't specific to not wanting, like, I just think about it. I was telling somebody a story the other day. I remember, I don't know if it was your fault or what, but like, first of all, there are only a couple chairs. There are only a few chairs anyway. And when we used to do the pre-show meetings with the TV and radio staff, it was out of control because TV would come over like eight deep, even though, you know, we were one of the, like, I always felt bad for anybody that was on the TV side of things because I'd be like, you're probably going to lose your job in a year. because like, <laughs> This is like whoever works on our show as like the head on the TV side is then let go like a year or so later. Because everybody would come in and be like, I'm so excited. SCP and Rosillo, I'm so excited. Rosillo Cannell, like, I, I love this show. It's my favorite show here. And I'd be like, your career is probably over. So sorry. <laughs> um, so that was a real like a booster. But then I remember eventually after a couple of years, I was like, no more TV guys in the pre-show meeting. Because the pre-show meeting, like I'm different than other people. I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about because that's the way I could do the job. It doesn't mean I'm doing it the right way. I'm doing it the way that I could do it. And so if you were a bad idea person, 
I eventually, like in my head, you were a bad idea person. And I couldn't, I just, I knew more often than not, like would just sit there and be friendly about bad ideas being pitched left and right. When I have like an hour after that meeting to continue to write out stuff and research what I want to do. I'd never, like I've sat through those meetings. I remember we did an hour and a half one once with Scott and I, and I went to the staff, like away, I go, we can't do that. We can't do hour and a half show pre-show meetings. Like I have too much stuff to do. And I remember they were like, no, that as long as we're getting it done, that's all that matters. I'm like, no, actually, no. I'm like, yeah. it'd be that inefficient. That pre-show meeting should be like 20 to 30 minutes tops. Like be happy you have a host who knows what he wants to do. But my favorite one is that because of the chairs, I think TV was still in the mix in the pre-show then. And somebody came by to shadow the show. And the dude just sat right down, took a chair, and just started firing off takes uh, uh, and yep. tech ideas. And I kind of like after three or four, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, what's going <laughs> on? And I'm sure that person probably thought like, oh, it's tough to work with, but that was never fair. Like the whole, I'm not easy to work with was never fair because it was just like, some people are good with ideas. And if you aren't, we'll focus on other, have different goals and don't pitch us stuff that we're just going to say no to all the time. So anyway. Well, it's funny. I was actually going to bring up that exact story. There was, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. This kid comes in, he was like kind of young. I think he was probably like a new PA and he was, he was definitely pumped to be on the show. And he really, I think he just really wanted to impress everyone, especially you. But it was, it was truly like an audition for him to be your co-host. He was wishing that one day he'd be like, Hey, why don't you sit in the chair next to me? And we'll, you know, mix it up for the next couple of hours. Like that was, I think his goal. And I knew how annoyed that would make you, but the kid was kind of oblivious to it because he thought he was just firing it away and he was killing it. He was trying, his head was in the right place, but he just didn't understand you and he didn't understand the room at all. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, is Ryan going to say something? We're just going to let this guy fire hot takes left and right. And you kind of let him go for a while, but I don't remember him being back in the pre-show meeting after that. I was nice about it the first couple because I actually, I think I'd run into him before and anybody that likes what we're doing, like it was, you know, I was appreciative of that, but I don't know. I've sat in enough pre-show meetings with other shows where I would, I would go, if I ever run my own show, it's not doing anyone any favors to be nice about bad ideas and then have <laughs> times as long. So it's yes. not, dick. it's just, Hey, bad idea. Next one. Yep. And I've had some producers like Michelle, like you, Steve, that finally got that. And I've had other producers that couldn't handle it. Cause I remember like, look, I started there in 06. I remember there was a co-host that I worked with that hasn't worked there in forever, but he would show up like without having anything that he was excited to talk about. And so he'd show up to the producers and be like, all right, what do you got for me? And they would have like 20 printouts stapled together. Hey, here's a story from USA Today. What do you think about this angle? Blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, okay, keep going, keep going. And I'm like 30 and I'm so fired up. I'm at Bristol and I'm going, this is like being a fighter who doesn't train and like doesn't like, hey, I'm here to fight. Like, who is yep. this guy? You know, and you just like, what, why would you not, like, I wake up every day, especially back then, like I woke up every day knowing I was excited to talk about certain things. So I don't know. I, look, everybody's different. Every, I'm, I'm not saying it was the right way, but yeah, if you are a bad idea person, you know, look, I'm the guy that has to talk for three hours and drive the whole thing. And I'm going to do it the way that I'm comfortable doing it. So Michelle, would you say that? I, I think when I hear stuff about it, I'm like, I think I'm great to work with because you know exactly where you stand. <laughs> 
Yeah, I hated you the first day, the very first day we worked together. <laughs> I remember calling up my boyfriend and being like, this guy, let me tell you. And uh, no, you and I work well together because you lay out exactly what you want and what the expectations are, and it's up to other people to deliver it and vice versa. We tell you what we expect of you, you deliver, and then we deliver on your expectations. And to me, I'd rather work with somebody that lays it out very transparent than other people who are like, eh, I don't really know, passive aggressive, you know, it Michelle, gets, it gets very messy. We Didn't we have like a long conversation though, when you got assigned as the producer of the show, because you had oh, like yeah. heard the rumor, you had heard huh? the noise and you were like, oh, what am I getting myself into? And I'm like, trust me, he'll like you, it's fine, whatever. And it ended up obviously coming true and, you, and it, it worked out really well because you're smart. But there was that perception, Ryan, that it was just like, oh, shit, like Priscilla is going to come and tell me I'm an idiot or something, which is not really the case. All, All right, right. Well, if this is a pre-show meeting, then I'm just going to dip out and let you two kiki with each no. other like old times. No, so, I need, Steve, I, you drive this thing. No, I need you here, though, because there are a few things I need you to weigh in on, oh. um, which is good, which is See good. What I deal with? But I do want to ask you this, because we'll get to the more of past stories in a second. But <laughs> Michelle, so as, as she alluded to, she is basically forcing me to watch three baseball games, mm -hmm. uh, Cardinals games. And I'm going to do it because obviously uh, Michelle's awesome and I want to. But I haven't watched the full baseball game in five years, maybe, maybe even more. It's just not on my radar. Back in ESPN, we didn't talk about baseball almost rarely. So I just never really watched it. And it just kind of like got put on the back burner for a while. But I'm going to be watching three games as the baseball season is coming back. And it got me kind of thinking, who loved baseball more, current Michelle, or was it 20s Rosillo when I believe the story was you used to cut out box scores or you used to cut out the schedule and you gave it to a girl and said, hey, these red dates, which are the home games, like I'm not going to be around for. I have a hard time believing really anybody liked baseball. I would argue I probably was doing more baseball related stuff than guys playing there for a few years. <laughs> I, 97, you know, right when you graduate college, because in college, I mean, you know, who are you kidding? It's not like you're like, hey, you guys going out tonight? No, Sox O's at seven, first pitch, you know, like, <laughs> at college. But right when everybody left and then that summer and then, you know, no more had just come up. And, you know, I grew up a really, really diehard Red Sox fan. I mean, you know, emotional about it at times. And from that stretch from like 97 until, um, you know, the irony is that the best run they've ever had is when I – when I started to kind of fade out of it a little, but I didn't miss a game for, for six or something years. Um, I'm talking like 162. Like if I, if somebody wanted to golf when I was still living in Vermont, I would put a little AM radio in my golf bag and have a little earpiece and I would listen to every single pitch. Like you just knew with me, I wasn't going to miss a game. My bartending shift always started after the Red Sox game was over because I could just walk downstairs and then bartend. And then if it were extra innings, I'd always get a call being like, Hey guy, like we know it's extras in Toronto, but like, Come down here. That's a pretty sweet deal, though. Like, they knew that you weren't going to be around until the game was over. The bar wasn't really busy until later. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the Nesson schedule, my Vermont girlfriend, I gave her the Nesson schedule every year. And I was like, 7.05 is most of the starts, red or home, <laughs> and or away. I'm like, that's that Oakland-Seattle stretch. is going to be late. So, you probably you – know, so, I was like, you probably – I'm not going to see you any of those. Those West Coast swings, I'm not going to see you. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I even interviewed with the Red Sox. I worked for their minor league baseball team. And the funny thing about the interview is Ben Charrington, who became the GM and, you know, was, was nothing but awesome to me the whole time. He was, you know, on, on the staff after Theo. Um, and then he was out of there quick. And, you know, that whole Red Sox front office, they, there's been some massive turnover despite the success. And I was like, look, I'd really love to work for a team. I didn't even want to be on the air, even though I was doing minor league baseball play by play. And I pretty much sucked at it because I'd never really done it. And um, I memorized every Red Sox draft pick 
for whatever reason, like thinking that might come up in the interview, which it definitely wasn't. Yep. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. Like I'm talking 40 something rounds of picks. I memorized them and I, it's, it's just so stupid. So we sat in the third baseline, Fenway Park, ground crews getting ready for a game day. I mean, I am like so excited. And he's like, he only reason he did the interview is because um, we ran into each other, Trenton. And I was like, hey, you know, this kind of, he was like, all right, follow. He goes, if you ever make it to Boston, follow me up, you know. So I, w- I didn't even make it the full season with Trenton because I hated it so much. And um, I reached out, had my resume, had a cover letter. He grabs it, you know, and he's like, let's talk. We talked for 20 minutes. I was like, I just can't imagine what it'd be like to wake up every day and work this hard towards a goal, a team goal and success and represent a city. And like, I really meant that. And I still believe in that today. And he kind of like looked out over the third baseline and Fenway and this cathedral and like looks back at me. He's like greatest office in the world. Oh um, yeah. And I was like, cool. And that was the last time. I ever <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I think, Oh, two into Oh three. So yeah, I, look, I know Michelle loves her cards, loves them. Mm-hmm. I just, I had a really obsessive, obsessive run there. Um, So, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't think that I'm ever going to print out a schedule and force someone else to adjust their lifestyle around me watching (laughs) Cardinals games. So I think you take the win there. Yeah, I used to drive to opening day by myself. I didn't even bring anybody because I figured I didn't have enough money to get them a ticket. And so it was like (laughs) where I used to go. I remember I went up to Montreal to watch Pedro pitch in 98. I think it was interleague and he got fucking shelled and he was, he got hit so hard. And like, look, I drove up, so I wasn't going to drink. And I had like one Labatt sitting in Olympic stadium. (laughs) Nobody's around. And I'm pissed. I'm actually like mad, like loser Jersey guy getting into a fight at a tailgate of an NFL game. Like I was that mad that Pedro got shelled and I drove up and then I was so mad driving back to Burlington. I got lost and ended up in like Roos's point up by like that jail. And then I, it took me forever to get back. And then I, I drove right to the bar that I worked at and was, just sat there and was so mad. And then I think my car got towed the next day. But. <laughs> That's actually a perfect segue though, because so you drove up to Boston and Montreal solo. You were by yourself and just what I'm going to do this by myself. When, um, when I was in Burlington, yeah, for years I would go and drive to opening day. I would just I would just drive to opening day all the time. Um, and I I knew I'd probably only be like that was the thing is if I knew I was by myself trying to scalp a ticket to opening day. And you know, look, I was paycheck to paycheck there for a really long time. Getting two tickets versus getting one, you knew you could always get one and not get murdered on the price because some somebody stuck with one. Like every nobody they wants to get rid of it by themselves except for like a guy like me. I kept score once in the stands. Oh, that's the best. Well, oh, I, thought, I, thought I, I love like, keeping <laughs> score. Are you kidding? I grew yeah. up on hot dogs and keeping score. Yeah. But that's actually funny, though, because I wanted to bring up, we were taught, why did this come up, Michelle? I, was it like last pod or whatever, when we were talking about, I was defending Ryan about doing things by himself. I think you went to Greece by yourself, right? You go to baseball games by yourself, you do all this stuff by yourself. And I get why you do that. But I want to know, what is your favorite thing to do solo that other people do with groups of people? Well, I would still say it's my favorite thing to do any, but to listen to rap and get shots up is my favorite thing. to do. <laughs> I still love to get shots up and I'm so mad that I had Manhattan that beach. Yeah. There's a couple of places. I found a place that, you know, this has been a little, this has been a tougher stretch. Cause um, you know, I'll still try to play a little bit. Uh, and I hate that like in my mid thirties, when I got the show with Scott and I had this crack in my leg and I didn't actually have any health insurance. 
and it just was like this crack in the front of my leg that wasn't going to heal until it healed. So I couldn't really run. So the only cardio I could do was elliptical. So then I stopped playing basketball until this thing would heal. And then with the show with Scott, there really wasn't anywhere to play pickup with the schedule. And so I went this really weird, like couple year stretch where I didn't even really play. And then like my handle went and, you know, consistent the handles like the first thing that goes and you know if you're going to go back and get it you can you can go back and get it but it's usually a little weird to like be 40 and go all right i'm going to do my ball handling drill today. <laughs> get some cones out here's kids i'm gonna get you guys ice cream try to steal it um, they probably call the cops on me now they're yep. like hey, there's a guy outside asking kids to guard him i don't know what's going on um so I, I love that um, just because it's just, I don't know, it reminds me of being a kid. It reminds me of, um, you know, the NWA tape and EZE and Digital Underground and D-Nice. And that's just how I grew up. I'd, go, I'd come home from school and I would go in the driveway and I would put those tapes on with an extension cord on my little JVC dual cassette boom box that had detachable speakers that I thought was the shit. <laughs> my birthday one year. Uh, I would just go through the, all those tapes and my father would come out and be like, what is NWA? And I'd be like, well, you know, I didn't want to say it. So I'd like hand him the tape. And he thought that was the funniest thing in the entire world. But he's like, this is the worst music I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. But he let me do it. Like he didn't care. He was just like, you know, that's your thing. And so I love that. I would say, um, you know, the international travel thing is not as great, you know, I could see like the eat, love, pray moment of it, but you know, I went, I went one place where people couldn't figure out like what my deal was. Like, they were like, are you a hit man? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Walking around, Um, you know, some places in Greece definitely confused me. Um, So we'll just leave it at that. And then uh, I, obviously I like being by myself, but I'd say this quarantine has put that to the test because this has been uh no i'm i'm an odd combination of like introvert but like still i have like extrovert moments yeah. where i want to be around people and do stuff and um you know you start getting older and you're like oh you know like maybe i should be doing more but it just seems the concept of like meeting new people and beca- like having new friends in your 40s is so weird and then <laughs> yeah. i have other friends that like join country clubs join different things obviously the kid part of it makes you more social but then I think like, God, if I had kids and then I was like forced to be friends with like the parents of these other kids. And I'd be like, God, that guy's a dork. I don't want just because our kids are in the same class. And then I'm always afraid everybody's going to ask me for tickets and autographs and bullshit like that. So um, I think we all end up kind of steering towards what we definitely want to be, even if there are times where I'm like, this is uh, this is a lot of alone time. But hey, look, you know, that's what's going on right now. So I'm not crying about it. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of me and your friends at forty, have you told the Zac Efron story on the sh- on the podcast? Is that public knowledge, or is that just some- I forget? Um, no, it's there's really not much to it. Um, he lives or lived. I'm not quite sure what the latest real estate developments are. He lived not that far from me, and I have a mutual friend um, who was like, "Hey, it's kind of funny how he set it up." He was like, "Hey, you should come to this house," and I was like, "Okay," and I think I even blew it off the first time. And then he's like, hey, we're in town again. You should come to this house. Like my friend, I was like, oh, wow, that's where your friend's house is? Because like I knew. I was like, all right, well, if that's where that house is. But I didn't really care because, you know, we're, we're around. Like I would never go, wow, that person must be rich. They have an awesome address. I'm going to go there. <laughs> you know? I mean, especially, you know, me when I'm by myself all the time. Anyway, I'd be like, 
oh, I wasn't going to go until I saw your street address. Like, yeah, I don't know. And then I went and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is insane. And I was like, who's this house again? And they were like, Zach Efron's. Nice. And like, I didn't tell you until you came here. I'm like, okay, but you know me. Like the person who invited me knows me well enough. I'm like, you invited me thinking that like I had to prove that I wanted to come hang out even if I didn't know it was Zach Efron's house. And um, Zach wasn't even there, by the way. And uh, then bummer. a bunch, well, he showed up later, but it was weird because like, as we were there hanging out, like not that late, you know, 9, 30, 10, somebody's like, hey, we got to rally the troops, you know, onto the next house or whatever. And I was like, okay. And we were going to like a hockey guy's house. So I don't even know who the guy is. So he's not like one of the main guys that lives here. And I'm like, we're okay. We have to go. And they were like, Zach's coming home. Um, it was kind of like, wait, this is his house. Some of you guys live here. Everything's cool. But because now he's coming home, everybody has to leave. And then he, he was awesome though. He came in, uh, as I was walking out of his house, he's like, Oh, Hey Zach. I was like, Oh, Hey Ryan. And that was <laughs> I love Zach Efron. I just think he's a cool dude. He's kind of weird, but I think he's down to earth in a way. And that's ironic that I bring up that name because that's the name of his new Netflix show. Have you seen it at all? I did because I'm very jealous of the whole concept because I think I'm like four years away. If I stay on this current path of like lifestyle, I think I'm, I'm kind of a four year away from wandering the earth for a TV show because I think at that point I could pitch it to somebody, but I've never really knew what the hook was. He's going like natural resource yeah. deal i i don't think i'd want to do that i don't i don't like what would you do i don't know yeah. what my hope would be how about Go, this Solomon, what do you got exclusive beach clubs solo <laughs> <laughs> places yeah place, places to not be bothered <laughs> and i will produce it <laughs> see the thing <laughs> there's a bunch of things like I, when i went to one of the the mykonos beach clubs like i was sitting there reading my uh, dream team book by Jack McCallum, eat a cheeseburger. And I just, you know, hang out, like to go to the beach. But in Europe, they put the beach, like the whole setup is like, you're right on top of everybody else. Yeah. It was a lot of like, what's this guy doing here? Like, he's not with anyone. And then this massive, I'm talking like, it makes below deck look like a, I don't know, like a dinghy, I guess, whatever. <laughs> like a tender or something like that. And um, these yachts would come barreling in and then off the yacht, it would be like a, a, a video of like, a 10 member gang of jet skiers and the girls on like the back of all the jet skiers. And then they would just like pull up to the dock and then the beach club would run out and they would tie up the jet skis. And then they'd go right up to like the inside table set to go. And the guys were like, I couldn't figure out what their deal was. Like I'll never forget this one guy who looked like he was just so loaded, like almost royalty, but he had a Mickey mouse t-shirt on, but somehow it was like super chic the way he was doing it. And these totally. shades, and the watch and the tight jeans before like anybody was really locked into the tight jeans. And they just started dumping rosé all over each other. Nice. And you were like, yeah, but I can't be like, hey, I got this uh, TV show where the, some of the TV segments are a little screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce uh, don't care that much, but. You know, hey, yeah, but it's not really a top priority for a lot of the TV guys. So, <laughs> um, and you go, all right, so if this were a solo show, like, what do you do? Like, Hey, do you guys all, do you want a party? Like what happens there? Cause they're going to be like, get away from us, you know, Neanderthal. I'm with you Smallman on the beach club thing, but I think that's like two women. I think it's a couple. I don't think it's solo man wanders the earth beach club. So I need to figure out the hook part of it. Cause I do think in like four years, 
I'm probably going to start thinking of, of doing something like that where I, you know, take six months off from everything and, and do a travel show that nobody watches. If it's two women that are there, it's easy to get in on the rosé fight. You know, that's a, that's a natural segue to have, what did you say? It's a better show. It's a better show. <laughs> to have you walk up and be like, so let's dissect this Mickey Mouse tea. I also like rosé is a better show. I'd be more intrigued by that. Yeah, but it would be like me with translator and then the rich guys being like, did you see our boat? Like this guy can beat it. Like, you know. <laughs> cool golden goose sneakers like congrats <laughs> sneakers but you know there's there's levels to this whole thing I, I don't know I mean maybe just be like super annoying and see how quickly you get beat up all the time I, that, that might be a season <laughs> yeah. um, I also want you to find out how these people have money I could tell some of this stuff you saw whatever money you think we see like you know growing up in Martha's Vineyard and, and seeing the summer deal in Nantucket and the boats and, and that kind of stuff I mean where I live now but sometimes there's this European Mediterranean money that goes back so many more years than anything we've ever seen. Like there's, I think there's this, this overseas level of wealth that mm -hmm. we don't even quite understand. And I've seen it a few times where I go, how is that even possible? So, oh yeah. That Amalfi Coast money hits different. It does. But you know, you would think with all that money, they'd give you a little bit more than six inches for the chair next to you. I mean, it'd be <laughs> social distancing yeah but like, that's europe though they don't understand they don't understand personal space that's just the way they are right i don't know europe's weird that way and you can get away in europe with wearing a vintage disney tee where in the u.s you might you probably be judged a little bit harsher mm -hmm. yeah especially because this guy was really old but it's always it's been this lasting impression that i'll never forget but yeah the beach thing is very odd because there's no the whole thing is chairs they you, you don't sit in the sand you know amalfi has a lot of the rock coast i mean mm -hmm. amalfi is, is just yeah, another level. Amalfi's another freaking level. Although Mykonos does have this thing where like, you get off the plane and you're like, whoa, something's going on here. But then the parties, I didn't go to any of those. They start at like six and then the guy will be like, it doesn't really pick up until like eight though. And I'm like, PM? He's like, AM. <laughs> so you go out at like two, you hang out and then you got to stay awake, I guess. And then you get bussed out to all these places. And then when I was there, there was some weird thing with the mob and um, and the cabs, so you could never get anywhere unless you had it already paid for ahead of time. Well, you know what you got to do. There's a couple guys that have perfected this. Adam Sandler has perfected this. I think Zac Efron is now diving into this area. Is where you just convince people to do television shows or movies in these awesome places. So you basically get this three month vacation in Hawaii or traveling across Europe, and it can be terrible, but it doesn't really matter because you've already established yourself there. So once I feel like the writing career officially takes off, and you've got a bunch of multiple TV shows that are successful that have been picked up. You just have to do that whole lifestyle. Be like, I want to do a show in Mykonos for a year and a half and get somebody to pay for it and just hang out. And because I think that at that point, people will probably watch you hang out in Mykonos for a year and a half. That's a good idea. Just a cop show, Mykonos CSI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or yeah, that's actually a good call. Like, what are the two, the two most TV shows, like combine them? Because now everything, nothing is original anymore, right? Like everyone wants to rehash something that's already old. Just take two things that couldn't be more opposite and meld them together into some new television show, like Star Wars, but somehow in medieval times. Like, oh, that's I got something. it. I got it. We'll do a Malfi Coast Knight Rider, but the cast of Friends. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. Fighting over who has kit. The car. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I would watch that because I mean, and again, it's the, it's the nostalgia factor. People would be all into that. Last thing, speaking to Zach, the dad bod thing. What did you make of that? Because that's total bullshit. Some of these New York papers and their headlines, which I can speak to uh, specifically, 
what are you doing? And maybe that's the whole point is they go, hey, Zac Efron has a dad bod now. First of all, Zac Efron was like a sculpture for the longest time. And then he grows out a little chest hair and adds a little, little beef. I mean, he's not, he's in great shape. He's still in great shape. He's just not in psychopath movie. Here's my eight pack shape. And then that turns into dad bod. But that's like a weird thing. That's a little bit like, you know, when you see a guy with a really attractive girl and they're like, oh, you must be rich. And then it's like, okay. And then it's like, actually his dad is rich. And then everybody makes themselves feel better about why somebody is with somebody that maybe they'd be afraid to even ask out. Or if you look at it from a different level, when people are in good shape. So like if you're in good shape, then the first thing that most people want to do, because they don't want to put the work in and be in better shape is they were like always on steroids or always doing this or this or his legs are too small or, Oh, what about that? Or it's so ridiculous. Like poor Russell Wilson can't take a picture of his shirt off. He always puts his hands in front of his waist because he doesn't have a six pack. Like it's what Russell Wilson does. Yeah. Love the quarterback. Not as much the dude. But <laughs> I feel for him there. I feel for him there because he knows he's going to get shamed. He's going to get IG shamed if he doesn't have a six pack and he's smart to have a little, little thickness around that middle, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because he's a quarterback. He's going to take those hits. So when I saw the dad bod thing with Efron, I'm like, that's just a hater. But it may have been more to get everybody to talk about it, which is probably the whole point of having a newspaper have links anyway. So. Exactly. And we all fell for it, like always. All right. So life advice. One of the things that you do on your show going back to however many years is life advice is one of people's probably favorite segments that you've done. I need some advice from you. My wife is a realtor. She does oh, commercial right. real estate, killing it. No big deal. <laughs> and, uh, she, you know, she deals with a lot of rich guys who are looking to like, you know, buy property. Um, some of them are older. A lot of them are older. Yeah, it is what it is. She had a guy who she was trying to sell a building to, right? And they're texting about different prices, things like that, different areas and stuff like that. And all of a sudden she's like, I think this guy's flirting with me. And I'm like, all right, what do we got here? And she shows me the text and he's just like, you know, he's being a little casual. He's making some weird jokes that aren't actually funny. Kind of dad joke style. It was a bad yeah. joke. Doesn't play. And then... Then you have a bad joke for us, though. I don't have a jo specific joke, but I do have a great end of this thing. Okay, my bad. He he sends her now. He's probably like fifty years old. Sends her just a selfie, a, a shoulders up selfie of this guy in his living room, who is by the way married. I think he's got kids too. Very weird move. My wife doesn't respond whatsoever. I need your life advice. Should I be offended by this? Should I be mad? Should I like fight for my I don't know my wife or whatever? Or because I don't really give a crap. I'm like I, I think it's kind of funny. And she's like, I don't know, should you be more upset about it? So what should I do? Do I get in this guy's face? Do I hit him up? What do I do? Can I throw one thing in there? She Ooh. had texted it to me and she had sent him a text saying, let me know if you see any properties that you like. And before he sent the selfie, his last text was, I saw one thing I liked and it's you. Then selfie, oh, which yeah. I think is a very important It's an aggressive line. Yeah. That's way more important than the selfie. I mean, there's pretty much like, oh my God, there's somebody that, I don't know, we're going to leave it leave it as is but like a girl that we all worked with was like hey uh so-and-so sent me a selfie of of himself with his dog and i was like <laughs> and uh she was like what do you think that means i was like i think i know what it means um <laughs> i go you know it's kind of like but i'm just gonna tell like for all the older men listening to this show you better be holding up like Brad Pitt, okay? You better be holding up if you're confident enough to send a younger girl a selfie, like just a male selfie to somebody you're just starting to meet. Never mind now, married to Saruti. 
I know your demeanor, Saruti. Like, you're certainly not threatened by the guy. You're not somebody to, like – you can get mad, but, like, you get, you get mad about disrespect to the Orlando Magic than you would more <laughs> true. It's true. Yeah. So, Maddie's also, like, pretty direct herself. So, I, I think you just let Maddie handle this one <laughs> because, you know, it, it isn't fair to do, like, you never know with a client, a client is a client or something like that. But the anxiety I hope that guy feels with a non-response to a male older selfie – like that's that's the worst punishment in the world. It should be for any man that's self-aware to be like, wait, I sent a younger woman by like 20 years a selfie of myself and then she never said anything. And that's after he'd already said, I saw something I like. And you know, look, it's weird. Like older guys can get, it's, it's part reckless, but then get really shitty about like, ah, I'm older, I don't give a shit. You know, like dirty old man has an origin in it because it's like, all right, when, when you're 70, you just start like flirting with everybody and, and being weird to the girl at the ice cream counter. And like, I've seen it I, as a bartender. I've seen it countless times where like the cocktail witch just comes up to me and is like, this fucking guy won't leave me alone. Like, what do I do? Well, the gap between like 30 and then to weird old person, like I think right now your guy's right in that hot zone in the middle of, of turning into that. I mean, it's such a bad move. It's so fucking lame and it is really disrespectful, but I don't think you have to go full commando yet. Yeah, I think I could probably fight him, uh, even though I'm not a great fighter. He didn't look like he was in too great a shape. But then the other part of me is, like, to have the self-confidence of a guy who's, like, you know, that he wasn't a good-looking dude whatsoever, to just take that and fire it off to some basically rando, I don't know, man. I kind of like, damn, that's, that takes some self-confidence that I probably don't even have. <laughs> I love that you acknowledge this part of the story. I, I know. I got to be honest. I can't hate on it because I'm like, damn, that's a bold move. I wouldn't have done that. Very few men could ever admire another man for hitting on his wife. <laughs> yeah. found a way. I guess I, I have to be very secure with myself. I, and I am very secure. Wow. I mean, listen, obviously, this, is, this isn't going anywhere, and it's funny. But I don't know. I was like, damn, shouts out to this guy for just letting it fly. Okay, wait a minute. Let's get Smallman in on this, though. Smallman, would you be offended if your man didn't want to do something here? Because honestly, in this situation, the woman calls the shot no matter what, like, all right, I have an opinion, but what do you want to do? Because you also, you know, it depends. I mean, every relationship is different, but some of you guys listen to this, like you can't just go out and start trying to swing at every dude to talk to the girl because <laughs> yeah. you know that anyway, small, that's the worst guy. What would you prefer happen here? Cause that's probably the best advice. I think if a guy that I was strictly doing business with repeatedly hit on me and I didn't give him anything back and I felt uncomfortable about it, then fired a selfie to me and I went to my husband expecting him to be angry and or maybe a little jealous. And he was like, honestly, I respect it. I think I'd be pissed. <laughs> I think I'd be pissed, okay. Steve. Okay. I think Maddie's I all right with it. my side on this, not his. I guess if I was more threatened by it, I would be more threatening. I'd probably want to steal this guy's number and send him like a threatening text message or whatever. I don't know. It's non-threatening. So to me, it's more funny than it is anything else. This is the play, Steve. You just have to say, well, of course he's hitting on you. You're so hot. That's why I married you. There you go. Right. That, or earn some brownie points there. Exactly. That was amazing. Uh, I just love this. <laughs> People think I'm different and I'm weird and see the world certain ways. <laughs> Sometimes Saruti has these moments where you're like, who is this guy? Yep. But look, I love, you know, everybody does the... Uh, Oh, I don't care about anything. Yeah, most people do care about other stuff. Oh, I don't read any of this stuff. Oh, you know, I'm so secure. Oh, you know, there's, there's weird insecurities that people have that nobody wants to admit. I will back you on this. Whatever this version of security is, you absolutely have it because I know you just don't care. 
That's work. actually a perfect transition, Ryan, to okay. what we do here on the pod. We kind of built this feature around Saruti because he hates everything. Everything annoys him. So we do this thing called Cool No One Cares, where we basically highlight things that we see on social media that people put out there in a very, very self-serving manner that we feel like need to be called out. And um, Steve, do you want to start first since this is kind of your deal? Yeah. Well, I have one main one, but okay. I actually think the one that you just said, the people that say that they don't care about anything, Ryan, that's so dumb cool. No one cares. Everybody knows that you do care about stuff. The people that are like, oh, don't block out the haters. Those are the people that have burner accounts on Instagram or, or Twitter and are like firing back at people because they genuinely do care. So I'll start off with that one. But my main one here in cool, no one cares. And I think this is one that I have recently looked at because I don't know why I've been like looking at random people's bios on Twitter and social media. But you know, the people that have paragraphs of information in their Twitter bio and their Instagram bio, of like every accomplishment they've ever done in their entire life, like fifth grade spelling bee champion or like whatever or like, you know, all the jobs that they've had. Why is that a thing? My Twitter bio is literally just mostly hoops and soccer. Your Twitter <laughs> content should speak for itself. You don't have to tell people all the things that you've done in your life. So when I see a resume in someone's Instagram or Twitter bio, my first reaction is, cool, dude, no one cares. It doesn't bother me anymore because, again, I'm kind of just over it. But when you're all competing and you're grinding along and then somebody in their bio has like ESPN radio and you go, why? Because you did a phone or two years ago? <laughs> yeah. What is that? And that happens a lot in the business. Yeah, featured right? on and then a list yeah, of things that you don't on. even work for. Or, or I saw one guy that was like, tweets shown on CNN, MSNBC. <laughs> and I'm no. Like, I'm like, your, your bio is your fucking who retweeted stuff you may yep. have done. So, um, you know, but it's a very difficult industry. We all know that. So I think that that's more geared towards somebody who's not bragging but they're trying to you know take the next step in their career so i think that's why it's there and it can seem a little like you know is this because some most of the time i'll see it's misleading the number of people that i see with espn appearances or espn or you may have seen me on espn all that stuff almost none of those people have ever actually worked at espn yep um so I was probably more prideful or protective of it as somebody that was, you know, doing it and grinding every day for as long as I was. But after a while, you start to go like, why would I be threatened by this person? Like, I'm not, so I don't care. But I also think there's a, a sympathetic part of me that realizes, you know, the person's probably looking for steadier work. So what about the person, and Michelle, I want you to chime on this too. What about the person that puts the ring emoji as like married to and then asks their significant other? Lame. I know. Like, why? No one cares. I care. I like this. <laughs> he wants to know. <laughs> Scouting report. Good call. Yeah. You know, I mean, I certainly look when it's in person. So, you know. Fair. Fair. Anyway. Okay, right. I'll go. My cool no one cares this week is actually I'm going to rip other people and also apologize because I feel like it's necessary. Last week, I talked about how I have a new personal trainer. He's got me eating protein. It's a whole deal. When we talked about it, I said, hit me up if you want to talk about protein. And I immediately, and I literally mean immediately, regretted that. Because... That was the sentence? What? That was the sentence? <laughs> yes. I said, hit me up if you want to talk protein. It's not as bad as my BBC blunder, but it's pretty close, I mean, close second. But immediately dudes in my dms being like how many grams are you getting per day let's talk about squats this and that and i'm like no one cares how much protein you are consuming how much protein steve is consuming how much protein you're consuming doesn't affect me it's not going to be the the amount of protein i'm consuming so stop talking about how much you're eating 
per day to get your gains in, no one cares. I had a guy ask me when I was still in West Hartford working out, he's like, what are you like 60, 80 grams of protein a day? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't. I was like, I just eat and try not to eat bad, but I still am, you know, capable of having some bad meals every week. And he's like, Oh, I'm more offended by like the personal record on deadlifts when it's sumo squat or sumo, sumo position where the legs are like spread as far as they possibly can be. The grip is and, and like the bar, the plates barely get off the ground. And they're like new personal record, 400 pounds. You're like, <laughs> nah, not really, but whatever. Yeah. See, I have less of a problem with the vegan or with the, uh, with the protein thing. I have more of a problem with people that just push vegan stuff on me and tell me why my life would be better if I was a vegan or why, you know, I'm doing all these things that aren't good for the environment. I'm like, could you just, I don't care about you being a vegan, do whatever you want. It's a free crunchy. Be happy. Don't push that on me. I don't want to be a vegan. I like cheese. I like eating meat. Here we are. Like, I'm not going to be a vegan. Stop telling me <laughs> that I'm ruining the earth. I look, some people swear by it. I have friends that have gone that route that. Yeah, go ahead. I don't care. They feel like their body is just different and Cam all that Newton. Stuff. I'm like, that's great. That's great. Um, you know, Tony Gonzalez had an unbelievable story about some health scares and then changing his diet that was in his book that I read. And it's unbelievable. I mean, he thought he was like done, done, but there was like a mix up. So he changed everything. I mean, his whole story was crazy, but I'm big into not telling other people. It reminds me a little bit of religion. Like if religion is important to you and it makes you feel better, uh, that's great. And if it helps you get through really challenging times, who would I be to tell you that you shouldn't feel the way you feel or believe in the things you believe in if, if your beliefs help you? But don't tell me that I would be way better off believing in all the things that you believe in. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just, I don't know, one tastes better. Religion, protein, and veganism all in the same category. I love it. I sent this one to Saruti last night, so I'll, I'll throw one in. It, it, actually, here we are back in the, the workout stuff, but watching <laughs> the magic um, scrimmage. It was Magic Clippers, right? Yeah. And uh, Mo Bamba, who at this point is still quite a project. I'm fearful I already know what the end of his yeah. story is going to be. Um, but, and he did look bigger. He definitely looked bigger. But the announcer's like, talk to his personal trainer, 25 pounds of muscle during quarantine. That is impossible. Okay? <laughs> now, yes, if you're thin and you're younger, you can put on muscle, you can put on some pounds. 25 pounds of straight muscle in just a few months. And so, you know, I tweeted something about it. It was just nice to have basketball back. But I mean, everybody just eats all this stuff up. It's like the 1% body fat thing. It's like, what is it, a corpse? Like, how long is that? <laughs> and I, 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 I sent it out. And then like a guy that covers the magic for a blog was like, it's true though. <laughs> so, the self-interest of storylines of, of all, it, like, it, I'm so happy sports are back. But I, I forgot, like, oh, there's that. And I'm really not on it that much anymore. But the part of, like, when there are games and people rooting for the most absurd things because they want it to be true so badly when the rest of the sane people are like, yeah, it's actually just not true. Like, Mo Bamba has filled out a little bit. But there's a really good chance since March whatever, he hasn't just thrown on 25 pounds of muscle. And if he did, then both he and his trainer should quit basketball and – be talking on a global scale on how <laughs> yeah. to change nutrition and, you know, any kind of gains. You know, what's one of the things that you've enlightened me on, Ron, that I didn't really think about before you brought this up, and it's one of your main things, is 
whenever someone is coming back from an injury or they are in a contract year or whatever, there's always the rumors that leak out. They're like, oh, he's in the best shape of his life. He's way ahead of schedule. You always only hear good things coming from these people's camps. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I used to read into that and be like, oh, this is awesome. Like so-and-so is looking really great. Maybe he's going to have a good season. And Ron's like, when's the last time you ever heard them say, actually, he's way behind schedule. Actually, he's in the worst shape of his life. You never hear that. So that I think is the right thing. And the same thing with Mo Bamba. It's like 25 pounds of muscle. You're like, yeah. Or, you know, maybe he's just been in shape and he looks a little bit bigger, but 25 pounds of muscle that's insane yeah look he looks bigger maybe it's 25 pounds but i mean 25 pounds adding on muscle now again when you're younger you can do it but 25 pounds and we're like a year people would roll their eyes but um i haven't gained 25 pounds of muscle in my life so i I, (laughs) I, i'm not the one to ask that was really fun to talk to rosello for that long saruti and i think it's hilarious that you thought in any way shape or form that I loved baseball more than vintage Rosello did because I don't even know if Abner Doubleday has ever loved baseball (laughs) more than Rosello has that's true I mean you know you are you know the Cardinals homer first and foremost and you know you are Miss Baseball really I I would say of anyone I know you are the one who stumps baseball the the most but you're right. I don't think you're ever getting out a highlighter or putting out a schedule to your significant other saying, here's the, here's the days that I'm not going to be around for. Like the red ones, the home games, I'm going to be out for those as well. So yes, that'll probably go to 20s for Silo. I almost threw in there too, me as teenage Steve or even anytime after 13, because I grew up a huge baseball fan. I was a huge baseball fan and I just sort of lost my interest for it. But I don't think I can compete with any of you guys, to be honest with you. Don't worry, Steve, that spark is going to come back. I have a great feeling about you. Tomorrow night, Fox Sports Midwest, queuing it up, watching Colton Wong and your St. Louis Cardinals open the 2020 season. It's going to be magical, Steve. Not optimistic, but I think the alcohol will help. You know what it's going to be, Steve? It's going to be like when you study abroad and you have like a couple month romance with someone internationally, and then you go back <laughs> to living your normal lives. But then like 10 years later, they reach out to you on Facebook and they're like, hola, Steve, how have you been? And you reconnect and you fall in love and then they move here. And the next thing you know, you're getting a visa and you're back together. You think that my interest in baseball is going to be like some weird romance novel? I doubt <laughs> it. I do doubt that. But hey, you never know. You never know. You don't, don't knock until you try it. Here we go. Don't knock until you try it. Can't wait for your review of... I might live tweet it. I still might live tweet it. I'm not sure yet. I might get drunk and live tweet it. Get drunk, live tweet it. It will be the highlight of my life. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be at the stadium just watching me belligerently tweet tweet like about Colton Wong and different facts about how awesome he is. I will be commenting on everything you tweet. I'll be like, actually, Steve, don't diss him. Don't worry. (laughs) It's It's the effort that counts. It's the effort that counts. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. Let's get to a review. This one comes from Leaderbrand12, who says, great pod, but missing something five stars. Love listening to you guys, but what happened with Freeze Pops? Can we get an explanation of why he isn't on the pod? Also, Illinois at four and the state draft is absurd. (laughs) It's a one-city state and no other attractions. Only bad pick by Michelle, but boy, it was bad. I maintain it was the worst pick of the draft, but anyway. It wasn't. You guys, you don't even know. Such a sleeper. It was a steal for me. Illinois was a steal for me at four. Thank you, Leader Brand 12 for that review. And just to address the Freeze Pops, part of that review. I know Steve and I had mentioned that we were hoping that Tom would join us for episode 100. If you went back and listened to episode one, you know he was on with us for quite some time and we thought it was going to happen. We reached out to him. We had a phone conversation about it. We thought it was all squared away, but in life things happen and it didn't work out that way, but we wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Right, Steve? Yeah. I mean, you know, as you said, things don't always work out. It is what it is. Uh, It's a good dude. Wish him nothing but the best going forward. 
Well, thank you to Rosello, thank you to Marv, thank you to Michael Jr. And most importantly, thank you guys for listening. A hundred episodes, this podcast would not be what it is without you and your continued support. We love our small talk family. We love interacting with you on different social media platforms, et cetera. So thank you for your continued support. And hopefully we can crank out another hundred episodes of this podcast, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, two years flew by, so I can't even believe we got this far. So it's awesome. Me either, no doubt. Well, we will be back in action next week, episode 101 coming at you. But until then, go Cardinals. Follow me at Saruti on Twitter. Maybe get some drunk Cardinals thoughts coming up this weekend. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.